over its tortured path to victory. When the Germans collapsed, the center of our world broadcasting was here. Many experts said it would take years to conquer the Japanese. But three months after the day of victory in Europe, Japan was falling. I moved out of Studio 9, just outside the door where the news machines are, the teletypes, and a direct telephone from the White House hung on the wall. There, to be able to broadcast the great news a few seconds faster than if I had remained inside the studio, I sat in a chair in the newsroom for four days and nights waiting. And then the word came. 7 p.m. Eastern War Time, Bob Trout reporting. The Japanese have accepted our terms fully. That's the word we've just received from the White House in Washington. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the Second World War. The United yeah. Nations and the sea in the air. Onto the Here field. we go. We'll turn that puppy down. We'll play a better copy of that. I do have a better copy of that someday, but what I grabbed. Oh, well. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Alden. How you be? Hi, everybody. It's Saturday night. It's come to out to play time. No, it isn't. It's not Saturday night anymore. Huh? Who, who, who counter are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at my clock, and it says Sunday at 2.10, and it's 2.10 because of daylight savings time. Did you adjust this week? Yeah, I don't even want to talk. <laughs> well... In a manner of speaking, see, everybody doesn't know my little peculiar. Well, maybe they do. Everybody knows my peculiarities. I am normally put down on my knees by clock changes. I just about get up and running, it seems, and I'm okay by about July 15th from daylight savings time, and then in a couple of months we're back on regular time. So that was the genesis of the question. However, what has happened since the clock change is that instead of wanting to stay in bed for an extra hour and feeling like I'm late for everything, uh-huh. I'm waking up in three hours or four hours. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's something wrong here. What is wrong with this picture? You're just normal. I'm the same way, too. But, you know, I guess... That doesn't mean it's normal. It's normal for us. All right, that's better. For us. That's better. You know? We are here, everybody. 714-545-2071. I'm going to give you some extra information about Mr. Schultz's book. He will be back in a few weeks, probably next month, to talk about radio shows. And we'll do maybe five or six specific radio shows in depth, and then we can talk a little bit about the rest of the shows that are in the book. But it really is a wonderful book. I am not joshing you, Walden. This thing is so well-written and so well-laid out, and my gosh, uh, it's almost 600 pages long. I, I, I just, I'm just pleased he sent you a copy of the book. It is just any autographed. It's Aww. so sweet. Um, and it, 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 just, it just blew me away. It's an easy read. Um, you know, in one sitting... I went through about one-third of it. Wow. And by the end of the next day, I was through one-half of it. But it's got some illustrations in there. So you don't have to read illustrations and pictures, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just nicely done. It's, it's very well done. He's a good writer, and the pictures are perfect for the topics. It's just amazing that he covered as much territory as he did um, so next time, we'll concentrate on radio, and that will be very cool. Can I go through my thing? 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 Are you there? 
Put, putting something down. Ding, ding, ding. Hello. Hello. Is anybody out there? Give us a call because we have a theme tonight since we were talking about movie stars and old movies and old entertainment and old radio shows. We could just say, who wrote the Hollywood? Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Who's going to call with our theme tonight? Or about our theme? Movies! Movies! The best old movie you ever saw, and black and white will make it even extra good. Best old movie you ever saw, and sometimes the worst is the best. You know what? I, I, I like camp. Anything I know campy, you I think it's really terrific. So my best movie would probably be very campy for other people. Well, I my, my vote, and I'm a sentimentalist, and probably people who really know me know this is probably true. Uh, but I love It's a Wonderful Life. You know, I just make it I relate to the Jimmy Stewart character, and I just think he was so good. You love Jimmy Stewart. I do. You know, and that, and, you know, for a Christmas theme in July, uh-huh. we might just call Zuzu up. Really? Yeah. Oh, you've talked about Zuzu. Yeah, and she, generally, she's always booked during the holidays, but... Oh, does she have a little bell? Yes, if you go to zuzu.net, zuzu.net, z-u-z-u.net, you can see her website and her little bell. And she does have a little bell. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, That'd so... That'd be nice. Zuzu so, was the little girl mm-hmm. in It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. And she was the one who said to her daddy, every time the bell rings, an angel gets wings. That's right. And that was Clarence, when Clarence got his wings to yeah. So that's my nomination of the best old movies in my in my book. But I, I'm also partial to, uh, you know, Mickey Rooney, the, Mickey, the musical, like, you know, Strike the Band. I guess, I'm a sentimentalist, what can I say? I'm just a softie. I know it. I'm just a softie. Everybody knows you're a sentimentalist. That's true. All right, so I'm, I am almost finished. I, I got a whole bunch of CDs out this week, and I've still got a pile here. that I, They're all done. They're waiting for stamps. Um, but I sent a note to Charles. He asked for our Miss Brooks. Yes. Sent him an envelope that he should have by now. And I looked in my little stack that I, that I was working on. Uh-huh. Here is a CD of our Miss Brooks. And I think he was the only one who asked for it. But I'm positive I put it in his envelope. <laughs> so, I think I need a keeper, Walden. You got me. I'll keep you. Oh, good. Don't give me away. No. Give me away. No. We're, we're, we're bond together forever. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Well, maybe. I thought there was somebody else. Did Fred, I thought so, too. But did, did Fred ask for No, but Fred called during when Glory was on it. I don't know if Fred asked for a CD that night.
Florida writer at Hotmail.com is where you can get the lovely, talented, terrific <laughs> Patricia. At 24 hours a day, seven days a week, she does not charge extra for house calls. No, if it comes through, if it comes through her inbox, you will charge a fortune. <laughs> Don't charge extra. <laughs> That's right. If it comes through her inbox, you'll say hi. This is true. And she's she, having some computer woes tonight. So yeah, she is. I am. It's part of the family thing. My goodness, I'm afraid my poor Mac baby is is not going to be with me much longer. It's hiccupy. It's had some spasms. Oh. I know. She's well, you know she's like seven years old and. She's operated like a brand new computer for all these years, and I guess she's just tired. So this is my last, and I have one more DVD after the one that's burning, and every single item that's on the hard drive has been transferred to DVDs. So when she gives up her little letters and says, I'm, I'm all gone, I will have everything saved. Okay. Um, including tonight's notes, which include... Best old movie you ever saw. So what's Black, Patri- Black and White is best. What, so what's Patricia's nomination? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I should have thought about this. I knew you were going to ask me. Uh, you know, now, she like campy, uh, a campy TV show that I love with Batman. I always like Oh, gosh, that was good. I love the campy Batman show. Huh? And Penguin. <laughs> you know, I don't know if more people knew that Frank Percy's house was right across the corner from Batman's house. Um, what's his face? Uh, Adam West? Yes. No kidding! Well, the actual house that you saw on TV? Yeah? They, that was right, Cotty, it was shot across the, Cotty Walker from Frank's house. Oh, it was the house that they, sh- it wasn't Adam West's no. house, it was the house that they shot Batman yes. in. Yes. Uh-huh. How cool! Yeah! Oh, man, he had the best marauders or men. <laughs> what would you call them? Saviors, I guess. The masked saviors. Yes. Right in his backyard. If he mm-hmm. had any trouble, Biff, bam. And Penguin, he could get rid of Penguin. Yep. That was yep. Burgess Meredith played Penguin. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine a man of his stature winding up in a role of Penguin and doing it with such verve and mm-hmm. happiness? It was a role that he absolutely relished. Yep. And he was so good at it. He's wonderful. One of the most underrated actors in the, all the mediums. You know, he was a radio actor to films and TV. He did it all. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did. And I didn't realize that he was not given as much credit as he should have received. Is everybody out there asleep tonight? 714? Well, I know Ralph called. I talked, I talked to Ralph earlier this evening. So, Ralph, you can give us a call. You got to talk to Ralph and I didn't? Uh-huh. Ralph? Ralph, don't break Patricia's heart. Ralph? Ralph? Ron? Ron? Red? Red? Uh-oh. What? Nobody's awake. Nobody's awake. We put them all to sleep. <laughs> Honestly. Okay, well, for first-time callers, everybody knows this. First, well, if you're a first-time caller, maybe you don't know this. If you call and say, I'm a first-time caller and you're telling the truth, you get to pick some radio shows and I will send you some radio shows. And then, if you answer a trivia question on top of it, then you get some more radio shows. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I played such, such a long break that I went out and got a little goody. So, uh-huh, so, yeah. Alden had to eat. It was my fault. Alden had to eat. Okay, so I've got some radio shows tonight that... Nobody 
anybody has asked for. Are we ready? Right, go. Well, yeah. that's not really true. Some people have asked for this, but not enough. Mm -hmm. The couple next door, nobody has ever asked for that because I didn't have it until two weeks ago. Harry Lime, I've got the lives of Harry Lime. Can you make me a CD of that one? Can you put that in the Walden pile? You like Harry Lime? Uh-huh. I don't have a, I don't have the 20, 52 episode series. Oh, let me see how many I have here. Oh, that's the wrong folder. I have a bunch. I mean, a big yeah. bunch. Let's see what we've got here. And I found them at my British site. Oh, of course. Well, <laughs> you know, and they're good quality. They, oh, yeah. they just, they don't deal in junk up there. They, they, they record that over at the BBC. No joke. Yep. No wonder they had them. Yep. Yes, they're a little hard. Yep. We've oh, got a lot of them here. I bet you have a whole run. I've got uh, 57. Oh, no more than I thought. Good. Maybe there there shouldn't be duplicates. They're all dated. Well, that's good. And all numbered. Good. No, it says 52. How can I have 57 in here? 52 um, is what it's supposed to be. Well, a 7 and 2 look pretty close. <laughs> You should put a little tail on the seven and, and, and bend, the, bend the upper thing a little rounded there. It can look like a two. I know how to read numbers. <laughs> that a very long time ago. Patricia, I'm just trying to come up with something that makes you feel good. Uh, I'll feel good if somebody calls and says hi. Nobody's going to call. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have one of those silly nights, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, see, I've got all the... And Roy Rogers. I don't think any single person... Oh, wait a minute. I have to put down Walden. Walden's Harry Lyme. Um, I don't think any person has ever called and asked for Roy Rogers. Maybe they want a trigger instead. Maybe they want a what? Trigger instead. I don't have trigger by himself. <laughs> no, he, you have, if you want trigger, you have to take Roy Rogers. Ah, they come in the package. Yeah. Okay. So... Tonight, we have a Stump Walden question. I think I have two. And there's a brain teaser for Walden, and we've got some useless but fun information that I think is just so much fun, uh, and little history bitties. Would you like your brain teaser? Sure, sure. Happy pa St. Patrick's Day week to everybody out there. You want to give us a call? We'd love to talk about your favorite old black and white movies. Okay. Just let us know you're out there by giving us a call, because we haven't given out the number here since we started. 714-545-2071. You can call. It'll come right in here. You can talk to us live. And those of you who are really shy, sound like there's nobody awake, so if you call us, you'll be the only one. So just think. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be just with us. And if you're having breakfast, I would like eggs sunny side up. And toast and um, bacon today. I will have bacon today. Let's see. When I woke up and just before lunch, we had scrambled eggs, English muffins, whole wheat English muffins, and ham. So, pretty close. Well, everything was good until you got to the whole wheat part. I know. It's much too healthful. Mom, Mom decided to go for the whole wheat routine this week, so that's what we had. Oh, dear. I have to talk to your mom. She's not replaceable, so you're going to get a patent on her, but... I know, but... Stuff is... That's got to go. You know, I can tell the difference. First time I ever had whole wheat muffins before. You can tell. I know. Uh -huh. They've really got a very strong flavor. They do. Okay. Here, here's, your, here's your brain teaser. Okay. If there are 
apples and Walden takes away two, mm-hmm. how many do you have? One. Wrong. Well, then I have two. That's right. Ah. you took away two. I see. That's good. I love two. that. I knew I was going to get. No, I really didn't think I was going to get you on that. Well, you, you, you did. You got me. Okay. You got me. All right. So, so I get a CD, right? You bet. Really? I'll give you my hairy line one back. Wait, there's something wrong with <laughs> Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Well, we've got a great show for later tonight and some good questions. Uh, t- you tell me how your week was, and then I'll tell you some useless but fun stuff. What? What? If Patricia wins, wins a prize, what CD does Patricia want? Oh. Oh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Ron always comes up with some goodies. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Thank you. Thank you to Ron. I've got the big show and Dr. Christian. Um, I've never given them away because Ron just... Them except for Ron. Somebody is listening. Oh, bless their little hearts. Hello there. You're on the air. Hi, this is Dennis. Dennis, how are Dennis, you? Dennis, how in the world are you? Well, from time to time I listen to you and... You go, no one's listening. <laughs> we are. From time to time? See, I knew it. I knew it. And I, I have um, an envelope with your name on it, ready to go to the mailbox, because I owe you a CD. But, uh... I can, no, tell, he, I, I can I, tell he was impressed by that, Patricia. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I know. How are you doing? Well, you shouldn't be crushed. I said, from time to time, I'm listening, and you complain there's no one listening. Well, there's nobody listening. It doesn't mean from time to time I'm listening. It means from time to time I'm listening, and you complain. (laughs) Is it that you're listening, and from time to time I complain, or I complain every time you're listening? No, it's from time to time I'm listening, and you complain. I knew Walden would like that. <laughs> All right, let's break this up. <laughs> are you listening from time to time, or are you listening weekly? Um, pretty much weekly. Sometimes. Oh, okay. So I get, from time to time, I'm the one who's time to time. Sometimes I get busy on Saturdays, and I can't stay awake for you guys. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear. Patricia and Walden, you are so stimulating that I can't possibly sleep on Saturday nights. Well, if we were started at noon his time, he'd be to stay up. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, true. This is true. If we did that, though, Walden would be rolling out of bed by then, yet, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We are so messed up with our sleep schedules here. How come you are awake at 2.30 in the morning? Well, Colorado is only, what, one? One. One thirty? No, it's only twelve thirty yeah. in Colorado. Yeah, it's only twelve thirty right now. Well, that's good. And you're telling me that sometimes you have to go to sleep. Well, sometimes. I'll tell you what. The best thing about Colorado in the spring. Uh huh. The birds come back. Oh, mm. uh, are you getting birds? Yep, they're here. And uh, in the spring, songs are so beautiful. And you have to get up at sunrise to hear the best songs. Well, maybe you have to be awake, but I'm not going to get up at sunrise. Well, you have to go outside. I don't keep the birds in my house. But Patricia, <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it through windows. This is good. What kind of birds do you have coming back? You have robins. I know you have robins. 
the most beautiful songbirds are uh, the mud swallows. I mean, they will sit in the trees and they will literally sing for you. I mean, if you go sit on a park bench, uh-huh. um, they will come and sit on the other end of the bench oh, and sing to you. Now, what do they look like? You said mud sparrows? Mud swallows. Mud swallows. Okay, I don't even know what a swallow looks like. I've never seen one. Um, you probably have. I'm so They're, deprived. They eat insects. They, they catch them in flight. Good birds. And uh, they fly in groups. And if, if you've never seen a, a group of swallows swooping in and out among each other and they never collide. Oh my goodness. And it's amazing. I mean, I've seen clouds of 100 or more uh, doing this over a pond. Uh-huh. And uh, just last year, I was out for a walk, and I'd always wondered how they ever figured out how to do that. And um, Did they go to flying school? <laughs> well, that's what's interesting, because while I was out for my walk, I saw a group of, I think it was six or seven, young swallows, and one of them had a feather. You know, a light feather like you'd find in a pillow. And he would carry it up and drop it. And then the other ones would all run around and try and catch it. And also not run into each other. You're not joshing me about this. No. They actually had a game. It was the most amazing thing, I think, I have seen in the last two years. What? Fun. How could you top that? What did you see two years ago that would top that? <laughs> okay, don't be too specific. <laughs> you were the one who said two years. That I, is I picked really... a number. Hmm? I just picked a number. Oh, okay. It's, it's like sliced bread, the greatest thing since sliced bread. What was great before bread was sliced? Whole bread. <laughs> He's absolutely right. <laughs> You're too funny. Hot, 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 fresh bread. Hot, fresh bread, mm -hmm. unsliced. Mm -hmm. Unsliced. Mm -hmm. This is cool. Well, swallows. This is great. What is the home territory of swallows? Um, I honestly don't know. They come to Capistrano today, March 19th, when the swallows return to Capistrano. Are they mud swallows? Well, I haven't gone down to Capitano to half hours further south tonight, so I haven't peeked in to see if they showed up yet. Maybe they lost them flight. At any rate, <laughs> if, if you haven't or think you haven't seen them, one way you can tell a swallow, uh -huh. they have a V cut in their tail. Okay. So... Their tail looks like a little V. It's like a notch. Yeah. Yeah, a notch, yeah. So I bet you have seen them. Well, not if they're not indigenous to this area. Yeah, I don't know about Florida. Uh, it would seem they would be because you have a lot of bugs. Well, only <laughs> only in, in the nice areas like the, the swamps and the, and the nature sanctuaries because... Everybody else runs around with a spray can. We don't have any sun boots here anymore. 
in you know, like in, in my immediate area. Once in a while, I'll hear one out there, and it, it's like a symphony. A single bird is like a symphony because it sounds so beautiful. But they kill all the bugs. Oh, that's so... Oh, it's terrible. And mosquitoes, they, they eat mosquitoes, and, you know, they go over with planes and kill mosquitoes. I mean, they, it just really upsets everything. I mean, I'm not wild about getting chewed up by mosquitoes, but when you spray mosquitoes, you kill the butterflies, and, you know, I mean, there's always a price to pay. So... That's true enough. Yeah. So I don't have songbirds here. I used to have a cardinal, a pair of cardinals, but they're not here anymore either. But in the springtime, the mockingbirds sing, or the, the male mockingbirds sing. The females do not sing. Most female birds don't sing. And when they say mockingbirds, goodness gracious, can they mock birds? <laughs> they, have, they have an entire songbook full of good stuff, and they just sing their little hearts out. If one parks outside your window in the springtime and he's, he's chirping for a mate, you won't sleep for the rest of the night. <laughs> go and go and go and go and go. They're wonderful. They really are wonderful. I want to get up and find him a girl. <laughs> Would you go find her, please, and get, go to bed? <laughs> go to bed, bird. <laughs> Too much fun. Well, since your envelope has a stamp on it, that means it hasn't gone out anywhere yet. And I can add another one if you answer a question. Hmm. Well, I'll give you my, my uh, movie pick first. Oh, good. Oh, good. That was my next question. What's your movie pick? You might not like it because it's not funny. I notice most of your picks are funny movies. Isn't that interesting? You're, you're right. Mine is The Grapes of Wrath. Ah, when did you first see The Grapes of Wrath? Um, I I still think that was the best ever. Henry Fonda, right? Yeah. Yeah. When did you first see it? When did you see it for the first time? Um, I think I was 17, maybe 16. How many times have you seen it? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna lie. Twenty-four. No, have have you seen it one time and you were so impressed that this is the movie that comes to mind? Uh huh. And uh, it know, really did people, make an impression on you. People have asked it different contexts, and I say the grapes of wrath, and they all go, "Huh? What movie?" And yeah. it, it amazes me. It's a classic. <laughs> Why would anybody know it? Oh, my goodness. It's frustrating, isn't it? But, uh, no, I think everyone in that picture just did an astounding job. And I'll tell you, the mom, I don't cry that much, but the mom in that movie, like, made me cry, like, three times. Wow. Boy, you really were touched by this. Yeah. It, uh, it was awesome. At Would least for you me. watch it again, or is one time enough for you in any movie? Do you ever watch movies more than one time? Well, when Star Trek, or Star Trek, Star Wars first came out, I was in grad school. Huh? And uh, I went and saw it seven times. <laughs> That's more than once. Yep, 
A little more than once. Seven times. Well, our late good friend Dr. Dale, I think he saw it 300 times in the theater. You're kidding me. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> in the theater. <laughs> I don't know how somebody could sit through 300 movies, never mind the same one. Did he really see it that many times? Yeah, yeah. he and his friend could, do- could quote every verse, of every dialogue in the movie. There we go. This got to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that movie wow. was groundbreaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it truly was. It really was. Wow. I'm not a movie person, so my repertoire is limited. My choices are limited. But, you know, watching a movie twice, some of the, the ones I like I will, I will watch twice, and the ones I like are the old campy black and white ones. But uh, with a book, people will say, oh, man, I read that book three times. Three times? We've got 840 billion books in the world. I'm not going to read the same one twice. I want a new one. Does that make it? Have you ever read a book more than one time? Anybody? Yeah. I, I didn't put you to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. You have? I have. Hmm. That's the Fountainhead. Oh, how interesting. Little Ian Rand in us here. <laughs> <laughs> It was a good movie, too. Yeah, it was. It, it was. I, I have to say that the movie was probably... I was just thinking about it. I know John Steinbeck wrote The Grace of Wrath. I don't know if I ever read the book. I've seen the movie. And, uh, and the radio, you know, it was done on radio. The Theater Guild did it. Uh-huh. But I was told... Oh, to, did they? Yeah. The Theater Guild... I was actually, I was going to ask you if there yeah. was a radio... The, 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 yeah, the Theater Guild, which I consider one of the most under the radio... Uh, underappreciated radio series, they would take the great uh, stage plays novels and do it with the New York actors, their, um, you know, their uh, prestige show out in New York. And they uh, they did the, they did the Grapes of Ra- Grapes of Ralph. So that that's the one. Uh, they they did that. Did they do it with Henry Fonda? I think they did. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, I think... Um, I've not heard it. I, I sense an assignment and homework coming up here. Hmm. Oh, somebody's hmm. going to send me out looking for the show. I don't know. I also, they also did Steinbeck's uh, Mice and Men, which was, uh, which was a powerful little book. You know, only 118 pages. Um, they don't have to be long to be good. No. Also, one of the other Steinbeck, uh, I can't think of a title, but it was powerful. It was set in Norway during the Second World War, and it was, it was the uh, people uprising against the Nazis. And it's one of the ones I remember reading from Steinbeck during, during in school, you know. But uh, I got stuck with Lenny and his mouse. Yeah. I don't remember the name, but I think... The one you're talking about was also a movie. I think you're probably right. And that movie was awesome, too. Yeah. Um, and um, particularly moving about that was, for me at least, uh, the people who were so pushed to take care of their families, mm-hmm. they cooperated with the Germans. Right. And they... Um, were branded as cooperators, or I forget the name they used. 
Collaborators or whatever, yeah. Collaborators, thank you. Um, and they were vicious with those people. I mm -hmm. mean, they just killed them. Yeah. Anyone who collaborated. And, and the movie showed you, at least showed me, that those people felt like they had no choice. You know, they had to try to save their families. Mm -hmm. What a horrible time. Anyway, I'll give you another movie, not black and white, but um, more funny. <laughs> more funny? Um, more funnier? Bing Crosby, uh, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Oh, that's a goodie. That's a good that, choice. That one is lovely. <laughs> good choice. Okay. Yeah. Get okay on that. Yeah. So, I called and said hello. Well, I've got a question here. Uh-oh. Are, are you willing? I'm willing, but I'm going to fail. I just feel it. Well, we talked about, just a little bit, about Stan Freeberg and his sense of humor in advertising. That was one of the things that Mr. Schultz mentioned tonight. Stan Freeberg, who was an excellent writer, he was an excellent everything, but he moved into advertising. And he is the one who is responsible for eight great tomatoes in a little bitty can. What was eight great tomatoes in a little bitty can? This isn't fair. You asked me it that is. question last time, and I didn't know the answer. Oh, really? That's why it's in green. Uh, and ones that are answered are in red. Ones that haven't been asked yet are in black, and ones that are waiting for an answer are in green. And the eight great tomatoes in a little bitty can is in green. Want another one? Um, well, I failed at that one. Failed at that one. We're going to find one in here. This one, you've got to know this one. What product did Conchita sing about? You know what? Questions are too hard. Kachita, not Kachita. Kachita. Bananas? Yes, I'm Kachita Banana, and I'm here to say. <laughs> now you remember. Yes? No? Yeah, I did, actually. Um, it, it just came to me. <laughs> oh, bananas, Patricia. Oh, bananas. <laughs> This is good. Okay. Well, that means I can send you some extra radio shows in this envelope that's sitting here waiting to go out that you might get one day. <laughs> what kind of radio shows do you think you might like? Give me a hint and I'll give you a list. Like comedies, drama, detectives. Oh, I've got lots of horror and thriller and suspense. I got a whole bunch of them for Lucy when she was calling. Got kids shows and mysteries and quiz shows and science fiction and sports, but don't tell anybody. I've got a little bit of talk show. Um, I've even got um, Art Linkletter. People are funny. And I've got westerns and Christmas. God, you're just full of things. <laughs> just full of it. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, well, I modified that a little. Oh, um, I'm full of it. I know it. How about Dimension X? Dimension X? Nobody asks for Dimension X, and I have it. Oh, boy, you've done good. Dimension X it is. 
Okay, Dennis gets Dimension X. This is good, thank you. No, thank you. You're so sweet. And so is Walden. Walden is a sweetheart. Walden had a terrible week. Patricia, it's a sweet, sweet one of this outfit. Oh, are we going to have a sweet contest? Yeah, this is not. good. Yeah, yeah. This is good. Yeah. I plan to win. I want to... <laughs> 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 Poor Walden. I've got the sillies tonight. I'm so sorry. Poor Walden. Okay, yeah. Dimension X it is. And I will put that in your envelope. Okay. Oh, good guy. And thank you for the movies. Those are really great choices. I still got to figure out what Patricia's favorite movie is yet. She hasn't told us yet. Mm. Okay. Are you going to tell us? Um, yeah, I'll work on it. Okay, okay. okay. I'll work on it. Dimension X it is, sir. All right. And I'll leave some room for someone else to call who I know is listening. <laughs> you know that there's, a, that there's at least one other person out there. In your heart, you know that. Well, Dennis, thank, thank you for being the first one after the break. All right. You got the thank ball. Thank you. Now. You're a peep. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And our uh, good buddy Dennis from Colorado. Dennis is the one who sent me an email one night when I was saying, is there anybody out there? Is there anybody out there? And Dennis sent and said, there are peeps out here. Right. <laughs> so he's a peep. Peeps are listening. We love peeps. We love callers. We love people. 714-545-2071. Do you know what had eight great tomatoes in a little bitty can? Somebody out there knows. Okay, so we got some good stuff here. Now, you're asking movies. You know uh, how, how I like campy stuff. I know. I love Vincent Price, so I, I like his old campy stuff like the Wax Museum. That was good. But, you know, even that was kind of a little spooky. I know a year or so ago you, you won the Basil Ra the Sherlock Holmes movies. Have you been watching those? Have you enjoyed well, those? I watched them all. I'm on the second round now. So are, 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 you, are you happy with that collection? I love it. Okay. I love it. And at Hulu.com, H-U-L-U.com, yep. -U -U mm -hmm. there is a collection of, I believe they are British productions, half-hour shows. A whole collection. There must be 30, 40 of them up there. So occasionally I'll sneak up there and I'll watch one of them on the computer. So yes, those are those are all time. I mean, those are all time favorites. They they just never go away. No. I love the. I think they did six. Myrna Loy and William Powell in the, the thin man. Yeah, you got good taste. Oh, I but were they good yeah. or what? I mean, they were just. Good. Um, so I really like those. And I like the old Charlie Chan movies, the black and whites. Yeah. Those are super. So, I mean, really, when I say I like campy movies, I really do like the old B black. I mean, some of these are B minus, you know, but they are so good. I mean, they're just pure entertainment. You don't, you don't have to use your brain. You don't have to think ahead. You don't have to sit there and get scared. I get scared easily. I know you do. No, I mean, it's really silly because I know there are only shows and movies and stuff, but goodness gracious, you have somebody jumping out of a closet with a knife or something. I'm toast. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm gone for yep. the night. Yep. Just all over. Well, you know, I mean, whenever I have a free part of my lifetime, whenever that will be, that's one of the things I like to do, watch some of the old black and white movies, which I just, you know, I just, 
I don't have the, I haven't had the time, to, and, and plus, you know, we got other members of the household, so they, they gravitate to the TV, and so I'm off working on some other project, but I would uh, love to see a lot of the old black and white. So when Dennis was talking, that got me thinking on another topic about movies, uh-huh. and we can relate this to books and to radio shows. And that is? You know, there are some vehicles that work so well in all three medium. And what I was thinking about was Sam Fade, and you know when you mentioned the same man. I've read both of them, and that's what Ham is written for him. I've joined both of them on the radio, mm-hmm. and there's the movies. They, that, that vehicle worked in all three formats. I wonder if there's any others out there. The radio show did not quite make it. It was made for movies, and of course the movies are now on TV, but the radio shows are just plain flat. Well, I was just thinking about, I guess I was thinking more about the Lux, version, Lux Radio Theater version. I've got a couple of those, and they're, they're just, I think it was the adaptation of a really good story, mm-hmm. and they tried to make it too light, and it turned out to be silly. You know, I read the, I read the book, mm-hmm. too, and to be honest, I think the film is stronger than the book. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That does not surprise me. I feel, and I feel we that. we have, um... I feel, and I, see, I feel that way about the actual Hammer Sam Fade. I think it worked better in the movie than it did in the writing. So interesting. Well, the radio shows were great. Yeah. So that one, that one crossed all three media. Mm-hmm. And then we had Nero Wolf. That was radio, television, and I think they, well, it, it, it was did both. film, but... It, I don't it, think they did movies. They did. 30, 1934... Uh, of Nero Wolf? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I want for Christmas. All right, we'll we'll look for the. Oh, Wolf, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I know a lot of people are disappointed in the radio series. No, well, I, I, I appreciate the openings and things. There's some something very charismatic. Or something, maybe, I don't know the uh, the idea of Archie and uh-huh. Nero working together or something. Very period. There, it, it, hello? And hello there, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm Walden. Just Ralph, come back. Ralph, you're back. Ralph, I knew you wouldn't let me down. Oh, no, not at all. Oh. How you doing? My little heart. I said, Walden, you got to talk to Ralph and I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I called in. I, what I usually do is I, I call in when I hear somebody on the... Uh, on the radio, uh-huh. and I get a busy signal, and now I have to hit his redial later, but I, I got Walden. <laughs> <clears throat> so Ralph and I had a conversation for a while while you guys were off, uh, off having your fun. You left me alone. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just going to have to look out. I'm going to have to come up with some other system to look after you, Patricia. <laughs> I can't be at two places at once. It's hard for me to be at two places at once. <laughs> Walden, you are fading into the background on me. Oh, that's that's really there good. There you go. Yeah, I have to get into the mic. Okay. You have to talk into the mic in order for people to hear you, especially me. That's true. That's good. Okay. Ralph. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who said that? Oh, it was Frank. Um, Frank Nelson. No, no. Uh, yeah, Frank had that phrase. Um, also. On the Milton Berle radio show, oh, they, they had a, f- a female said, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <coughs> but, How about that? 
I didn't know that. I don't think I've ever heard a Milton Berle radio show. He tried several times, was never really truly successful. I think he and both Groucho Marx struggled with radio. Yeah, he did all right on TV. Yep, did all right on TV. Well, again, he was a visual person. He did the silliness with the dresses and the high heels and the and the makeup and. Oh yeah, he was he was funny. Can't do that on radio. Yeah. I mean, you can, but nobody appreciates it. But if you think about it, his TV series, The Testicle, that was really a short period of time, if you yeah. think about it. And he made his whole career off that short period of time. I mean... Funny. And he's memorable. Well, remember who he is. You know what? You know, okay, here's the, trip, here's the Milton Berle trivia question for both you guys. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What is he, what, what was he known for as a little kid? As a little kid? As a little kid actor. What what thing is he is known for? Mm. I don't know. The only thing I ever heard about him when he was a kid is that a bunch of guys took him to the Friars Club when he was about 12 years old. Yeah, I know that story. But this is when he was eight. Yeah, something like that. Eight years old. What is he known that it's, it's a... It's a... It's, a, it's almost a unforgettable... Un, Forgettable brand of a product. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the connection. No idea. Okay. Advertising. Yes. Ate it. He, advertising. He advertised. It was an advertising vehicle. He was dead when he was eight years old. <laughs> well, you got me. Got me. He was Buster Brown in the dog tie. Oh really? Yes. That when it first came out, that was Milton Berle when he was eight years old. I'm Buster Brown. Yep. And my this dog Ty. I live in a shoe. Yep. A shoe. He does too. <laughs> Am I close? Did I get that right? You got it down pat. But he, that's with Milton Brown when he was eight years old. Oh my goodness. I never knew that. I like Inspector Clouseau. I like the Pink Panther. Way to go! He's the best. <laughs> Great choice. <laughs> choice. Yeah, whenever it comes on, I just I watch it over again. Of I course, you Young had, Frankenstein is a favorite. I want you to have Speaks with you. I'm sorry? I want you to have Speaks with you. Ah. That's, that's Clouseau. Yes. I want to have Speaks with you. You said it. Yes. <laughs> Okay, and, and what else? What did you just say? Frankenstein? Is that what you said? Bimp. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, does your yeah, dog that's bite? That's a bumpy. That's what I said, you fool. Yes, does your dog bite? <laughs> oh, my dog does not bite. I thought you said my dog did not bite. It is not my dog. That was good. I got a, I got a new thing since I talked to you last. <laughs> together a chicken coop gonna raise chickens are you serious absolutely what are you gonna do with them i'm holding my eyes no i i, I wouldn't i want to eat the eggs oh just yeah oh okay all right yeah, i don't i don't know you're gonna send one to patricia for christmas a chicken a chicken i don't think so okay i i don't think they travel well in the mail <laughs> you know you, you can buy the chicks and have them delivered by mail. The chicks? 
little chicks, the baby chicks, day old. By mail? Oh, those They'll mail them to you. But, uh, you know, the, up where I live, there's, uh, there's a feed store. I'm going to get them over there. How many are you going to get? Uh, I figure I'm I'm in for six, and, and my, my friend, uh, he's probably going to get 12. Do you order them fried, or you have to wait till they... You can oh, yeah, yeah, they're not even cleaned yet. Uh. <laughs> How, all right, now here's here's the question of century. You're going to come home with six little chickies, right? Yes. How do you know which ones are boy chickies and which ones are girl chickies? You, you just got to let them grow up, and you'll find out. So you could, you could wind up with five roosters. Yeah, they, they say, you know, they, they try and figure out what they are, but most people don't want a rooster. Are you going to name them? Are you going to name them while you're raising them? Yes, okay. absolutely. My wife wants to name him. I heard Tony. Yes. <laughs> she said, what are you going to name him, Tony? What are you going to name the chickens? <laughs> we'll have, we have to work on it. we got to look in the, in the book at all the names. <laughs> I figure one should be Henrietta. Henrietta, of course. Yeah, and then, that should be the male. You that, have ducks. That should be the male. What were your ducks names? Oh, uh, that was Donald, Henrietta, and Bertha. So I, I remember Henrietta. I knew that was a duck. Yeah. Okay. And Bertha. Yeah. Did you get Bertha? And we had goats. And the goats were named Blank, Blanche, and Baba. <laughs> okay. I don't think that'll work for, for a, a chick. No. <laughs> so our son is raising chickens where he lives in. He's got a red one. He names it Lucille. Like Lucille Ball? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Are you, are you, are you going to name one Patricia? Uh, you know. <laughs> turn out to be the rooster. your permission. <laughs> that'll, that'll turn out to be the rooster? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't do it that way. Uh, uh wouldn't. Th th you know, I... I um, Patricia is not a chicky name. I have a dog named Shelby. And a, a little gal that works up in the restaurant here does the cooking. Her name is Shelby. Oh. So uh, the dog was already named when I got it. And I, I went in and I told her, I said, I got this dog that's been raised with the name of Shelby. Do you mind? She says, no. It's all right. Well, what would happen if she said yes? <laughs> you wouldn't I would go back change its name. But uh, later on, we got another one, a male. Her boyfriend's name is Buddy. She says, please don't name it Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. So what's your weather doing out there this week? Um, where we are, it's just raining. Uh, my friend had snow this morning. My gosh, you're still into that weather. We had, uh, we had little hailstones. Uh, what was it? Day before yesterday. Little tiny hailstones. Wow, that's tornado stuff. Yeah. Well. <coughs> Excuse me. What? What? Is, I, you should be getting warm by now. What are your temperatures this week? It was running in the low to middle 40s all week. Oh yuck! With rain? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do a better job of sending it out to you. We're we're in nice warm toasty weather now. Ah, uh, a friend just came in from Arizona. She said it was 90 degrees over there. Yeah. They, they get hot fast over there. We're, we're about 85, and that's that's fine. That's all nice and toasty for me. You said 85, she said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I, you will never hear me complain about the heat. I might mention it once in a while, but I never complain about the heat. That's my time. That is good stuff. Ralph, what has eight great tomatoes in a little bitty can? The eight. Pardon? The eight. Oh, Tony, what has eight great tomatoes in a little bitty can? Aunt Adina? Yes. Did she know the answer? No. I didn't ask her. I got her in the kitchen. She's mopping up. Oh, yeah. This is... All right, Contadina? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That was a Stan Freeberg ad, and he did a whole bunch of other things. I'll have to dig out some of the other ones that he did. But Stan Freeberg was one of the guys that Mr. Schultz was talking about tonight. Oh, he was a good guest. I, I enjoyed the, what, what uh, knowledge he puts forth. Oh, my gosh. You know, he's, he's a, you talk about walking encyclopedia. I, I can't imagine. Uh, uh, what I'm looking at certainly isn't everything. And this is not big print book. It's just normal type print stuff. And there's almost 600 pages in this thing. Yeah, yeah. And, gosh, it I, is. I, I heard you say that, done. you know, it, it, you felt it was very well written, and the index was spectacular. You really were listening. The index. Oh, yeah, I was listening. The index. I don't know if, there, if anybody, but there have to be people who put great stead in a good index. You know, when, you, when you're looking for something that you know is in there, and you go to the index and there's no listing, just oh, yeah, absolutely. on your ceremonial sword, you know? If it's available to me. Yeah. But anyway, it's a good book. It, it really is a great book. So, um, you know, $39.95 total sounds like a lot, but it's the equivalent of two books. So. And he was saying he sent along some... Uh, <clears throat> some... Um, some goodies. Dixie cup lids and... Dixie stuff. cup lids with the picture of a star underneath. Yeah. And this is the I real... Remember those. They, they were kind of blue. Yes. Blue toned. It's a blue picture. Yeah. Yeah, I remember them. And I remember the free sticks. You buy an ice cream uh, popsicle. Mm -hmm. And it, it, if you got a free stick and it, it say free on it, you got a, a free popsicle. Oh, so you had to eat your popsicle and then if the word free was on it. Yeah, on the stick, yeah. Wow. How many did you have to eat before you got a freebie? I never got one. <laughs> I, I knew some people that got some, but I, I never never was that fortunate. But they got you. Well, Ralph, when you when you were a kid, did you collect anything at all? Uh, well, we're having telephone trouble here, and you just broke up a little. Okay. Again. When you were a kid, did you collect anything at all? Uh, as a, a collectible uh -huh. copy Yeah, I mean, like bottle caps or, uh, or uh, you know. Girlfriends. Whatever. <laughs> Tony says she, she kept movie magazines. Um, about the only things that, uh, that I really like, uh, I like uh, watches. Right. Like the, um, the old watches with the spring and the wheels inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like firearms. You still have some? I have some. When you say firearms, you do, well, I know you've got a shotgun. You shot down, <laughs> you shot down the missile, though. <laughs> so I know you've got that one. Are you talking revolvers, pistols, rifles? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the whole Megillah. Yeah, rifles, stuff like that. Uh, and all stuff like that there? Well, you see, uh, up here where we live, it's... Uh, 
uh, law enforcement is just about non-existent. There's not much at all. So I most never of the people about up here have permits to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, you're pretty distant from population. I never even thought about that. Okay, uh, everything's unnoticed now. It's really uh, very small, and this is a very large county. Yeah, everybody's unnoticed. They're not going to bother you. No, I hope not. I don't think so. We wouldn't let anything happen to you. No. So I've got this envelope here with your name on it. Yes. Did you get an envelope from me this week? I, I haven't received one yet. Uh, as soon as I get something from you, though, I'll, I'll email you. Okay, well, I've got an envelope here that still needs a stamp, but I thought I threw one to you in the mailbox the other day. Anyhow, <laughs> I am so messed up with my CDs. You know, I've got the stack of CDs. I, I mentioned it before. And I know I sent out what I owed, but I've got this Alan Miss Brooks left over, and I don't know whose it is. Didn't you, anyway. I think, Ralph, didn't you ask Alan Miss Brooks last week? I, yeah, I think I did. I think you did. Patricia, that's who go to. That's who gets it. Oh, right. Thank you. How come I didn't know that? Well... No, you asked for Phil Harris and Alice Faye and Dennis Day. Dennis Day. That's, yeah, that's probably right. Okay. Well, we were talking about uh, our Miss Brooks. Right, because you talked to Gloria when we had her on the show. Right. Charles right. asked for our Miss Brooks, so I'm going to send you our Miss Brooks. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think that's wonderful. <laughs> and you don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear from Charlie in New Jersey? Not today yet. Oh, okay. There's a... Uh, uh, my father's name was Charlie, and we were from New Jersey, and it, <laughs> it, it, it just hearing the name brings yeah. memories. Charles from New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. Patricia from New York. Yes. Uh, do you know where he lives in Jersey? Um, well, I, I know because I have his address to send CDs, but... Uh, I think he's in the middle of the state, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I remember New Jersey. Memorable place. And you know, there really are some very pretty areas in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. The beautiful places. Uh, down um, in the Watchung Mountains area. Very mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you ever go to Asbury Park? No. Oh, that was a, that was a nice place, too. We used to go, it was near Metuchen. We used to go there for picnics and such. Is that on the water? No, it's it's got a lake. It's inland. Hmm. Hasbury Park. I thought for some reason it was like one of the beach towns. No, uh, let's see. I never hit the, the, the shoreline too much. Uh, but there was places like, uh, I think it was Germantown. Mm-hmm. It was near the beach, I think. That one I don't know. Yeah, uh. I've out of there a long time. <laughs> Only certain things come back to me. <laughs> I understand that part. Some days are better than others. Yes. You'll wake up tomorrow and say, oh, should have told her that. Well, I'm, I'm at the stage of life where if I don't, if I go to get something, I get there and I, I forget what I want to get. <laughs> I'm at the stage of life when I wake up, I think it's a great day because I woke up. Well, that's a, that's a good start. Yeah, it is. It's always a good start when you open your eyes. This is good.
Okay, well, Alan, this books, it is. And before you go to bed, you have to call us back. Oh, um, maybe I'll, I'll call you back after I go to bed. <laughs> That's cool. Right. <laughs> If Walden uh, yells Blondie again, I know I'll wake up. There you go. Oh. That's the secret word. He got you last week, didn't he? <laughs> Boy, and when he goes into his high pitch, he's unbeatable. Yeah, that was funny. You think I got that down, Pierre? I think you've got it down just fine. Oh, good. Yes. Good. So what's it with you guys? What, what are you doing? Oh, I was working this week and trying to figure out my CDs this week. <laughs> <laughs> my computer is trying to die, so I'm I'm having a little bit of a. Oh, we've had several. We lost several over the years. Oh dear, you know. I mean, I I work on Macintosh computers, and I get so spoiled because those things are workhorses. But eventually, even the workhorses have to give up the ghost. <laughs> Did, did you see the commercial on television where the, the people come home and everything in the house is gone? And he says, oh, my God, we've been robbed. And they look in the other room, and there's this old computer sitting on the floor. <laughs> they left the computer, and the wife says, yeah, maybe it's time to get a new one. <laughs> good. I like that. That's good. You know, that, that's a message without even having to say the message. That's good. Yeah, it was perfect. That's a Stan Freeberg. Memorable. Mm -hmm. Memorable. That was a, that was one of his uh, words? What, memorable? Memorable? No, that's my word. That's your I thought you, you were stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did memorable too. Memorable is number two. You got you got okay. Well, you got to pick a word. Uh, stuff. I pick stuff and food. Can I have two? Sure. Okay, stuff and food. Well, I guess stuff covers food. I'll just stick with stuff. And you add food to it later. <laughs> stuff is food. Stuff is anything <laughs> I want it to be. This is good. Stuff is my word. That's true. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire up the smoker and uh, do some spare ribs. My uh, two of our grandchildren are coming here next week, and I'm gonna fill them up with a lot of good food. So when are they coming? Are they coming next weekend? When when's the actual? Day? No, they're coming um, Tuesday, and they're gonna stay until Thursday. They're just quick trip. But so you're gonna cook Tuesday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, and then uh, uh, Thursday they're gonna head home uh, in the morning. Okay. But uh, my oldest grandson, he's, he has a job. He's a very, uh, very job-oriented guy, and he's gonna get back to it. Ah. Uh... What kind of work does he do? Well, he. He um, graduated from college, a uh, criminology uh, course, uh -huh. and he got a job as a, uh, a, a federal officer working oh. in, a, in a federal prison. Whoa! And he, he was only there about, I'd say, two and a half years, and he got promoted upstairs. Now he's in management of it. And he's much happier there. He likes it. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I gotta give, gotta give the kid credit. He, he made up his mind what he wanted to do, and by God, he did it. I, I give him so much credit. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, it is wonderful. Happy at what he's doing. Yeah, he's happy in his he's happy in his work. Very dedicated to it. Way to go. Now that's a good thing. Yeah. 
My father was a guard also. I remember you're telling me that. So it runs in the family. Yeah, yeah, not not to me though. I... You skipped you skip the generation. <laughs> My father was a Jersey State Trooper. Oh. Uh, used to ride the motorcycles and horses years ago. And he got hurt on a motorcycle. And they funneled him into this uh, uh, prison guard thing because he, he couldn't uh, carry out all the duties they needed to do on the street. Mm -hmm. So. Did he like doing that kind of work, or was it just, did he miss not, be, not being, you know, on the street? As I recall, he was happy in his work. Uh-huh. I have to go fishing a, with his kids. I know. That's where I used to go fishing with him up at the, up at the, uh, at the prison. They had a lake. Uh-huh. Uh, he used to get special permission. We'd go up there and go fishing. Right. You got, you got to fish and no school. Yeah, yeah. I think you had a racket. You had a racket going here. Oh my, good, good, good memories. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it. Uh, well, I'm drying up over here. I don't know what what else to talk about. <laughs> well, we got we got movies. <laughs> yeah, right. We got that. And we got Contadina. We got Contadina. Yeah. And we got stuff. Settled. That's right, my word. Right. Yeah. Oh, and our Miss Brooks, we got that settled. Yeah. No, 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 no. We didn't get. I settled that. Right? I know. You didn't let him pick a choice. Could, no. Which, you, is there something you would rather have than our Miss Brooks? No, I like that. I like that show. Okay. It's a good one. Okay. Uh, uh, I talked to. What was your name now? McMillan? Yeah, Gloria. Mm -hmm. Gloria McMillan. Gloria McMillan. Yeah. yeah. I was telling her about my favorite, our Miss Brooks. And she says that her and her husband have this on a, a disc, and they uh -huh. listen to it in the car, and they always crack up. Yeah, yeah. I remember she said that. Which episode was that, Ralph? Well, they were at the school, and they, uh, I think it was Boynton got a uh, shortwave radio. And they were listening to the shortwave radio, and they kept getting the weather report. The weather report. Yeah. That was it's so good. They had the... Yeah, they down the hatches, and they were... Oh my gosh, they had the crazy trying to fortify the school, right? Uh-huh. And they kept getting more re more reports, more reports, and they got a little frantic. And in the end, the guy on the radio said, and and uh, he was in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and they were picking up the broadcast wherever, I don't know where. Uh, oh, Madison it was way, way far away. Yeah, it was way far away. Hurricane happening in one of the islands. It was a hurricane. And they had Mr. Conklin's rattan, his new patio rattan furniture all chopped up. I think they were going to make a fire. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my gosh. I do remember that show. It was, see, that's where the word memorable comes in. I remember it, and I haven't heard it for a couple of years. Funny. Uh, did you, uh, another subject, did you ever hear the story about the Marx Brothers, that they, they went to their uh, agent's office? And he wasn't there, he was late, and the place was cold, so they broke up all of his furniture. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I never heard that one, but yeah. if you had to pick a group to do it, I would pick them. Yeah, yeah, they were wackos. Oh, my gosh, that's not even something I would give to the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were characters. They were characters.
They say that, that Harpo was a real chatterbox. Oh, really? In real life. The one with the horns. Yeah. 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 How about I, I heard somebody, was, they were interviewing, I believe it was his son. And they says, well, does he ever talk? He says, oh, my God, yes. You can't even shut him up. He says, he's talking <laughs> <laughs> He's got all of this pent up. He doesn't get to talk in the movies. So he has to let it all loose somewhere else. You know, that, um, between him playing the harp and Chico playing the piano, they, they were a very musical family. I don't know what Harpo did, but... Well, and, and Groucho sang. He was, Groucho, yeah, Groucho was a singer. He was a tenor. Was he? Yeah, he really was a tenor when he was a little boy. That's how he sort of broke into show business, because he, he could sing. Ah, see, we learn something every day. Yeah. And Harpo, I guess, was the one who played the harp. Harp. Oh, yeah, he was, he was something else. Wow. Uh, it, it seems to me that the, the harp would be a real challenge. Uh-huh. You think so? Especially for a vaudeville act, taking it with you? It's a difficult instrument to play. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like the piano where you have a set set keys and you, right. you just uh -huh. memorize. I guess you memorize the strings, too, but it seems strange to me. Might be very similar to the violin. You know, I guess you could. You have to know exactly the fingering it to get the yeah. right sound to come out. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh my. It's amazing. Well, listen, I'm running out of things to say. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm gonna go to bed and I'll call you later. All right. Okay, right? Ralph. We'll have Blondie show up for you. You bet. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. You have a good week. Yeah, you too, both of you. Have a good one. All right, well. I know. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. I was talking about when the swallows returned to Capitol. It happened today, March 19th. Did they really show up? Well, I don't know, but here's the famous song. Here's a little bit. Oh, well, when the swallows come back. Yeah. Yep. Let me see. When the swallows come back to Capistrano. That's the day you promised to come back to me. When you whispered farewell in Capistrano, t'was the day the swallows flew out to the sea. A big hit in 1930. With all due respect, it sounded like Tiny Tim for a bit. <laughs> well, now, did you ever see this movie, Patricia? Here's the famous song from this classic movie from 1939. When you wish upon a star makes no difference Fate is kind. 
the way we like in a 1939 classic Pinocchio. Oh, see, you were going to ask me if I ever saw it, and I didn't get to say Pinocchio. Oh, okay. Would you erase that? All right. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, No, we better do this right. So hold on. Academy Award for the music. Did it? Yes, and Patricia. Oh, it was Pinocchio. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, gosh, and I really did know it, you know? <laughs> I and, you know, you. one out of 1,000, and you give away the answer. <laughs> Gee whiz. Okay, I've got some useless but fun stuff. Are you in the market for useless but fun stuff? I am, but I want to give out the phone number first. Oh, good. Okay. 714. Five four five two zero seven one. Tell number. Please give us a call. We're up and about looking for your company to be with us. Good. That's just in case somebody is still awake with us. That's true. What do you got? Well, it's just you and me, kid. Uh, we can look. We can make it together. Yeah, yeah. boy. What? What's um? Ain't got a barrel of money. Uh huh. Maybe we're ragged and funny, funny, but we're rolling along, singing a song side by side. You yeah, got that'll it. do. You, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I'm doing really well with my old stuff here. You know, if you ever watched the history of that song, that song was done from the 20s into the 50s. No, kidding? Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised when I looked that up. Wow. Okay, here's useless but fun stuff. You already, you, you blew it on the apples. <laughs> so, well, see, if they were green apples, I might have figured it out faster. All right. Well, then, if there are three green apples yeah. and you take away two, how many will you have? Well, I think I still might have two. Very good. Okay, we got the apples taken care of. <laughs> I think I'm feeling very silly tonight. Okay, here's some useless but fun information. Our our Fibber and Molly show for tonight is from 1947. So I went and I got some 1947 items. In 1947... Earl Silas Tupper patented the Tupperware seal. There really was a guy named Tupper. Oh, really? No joke. I'm one of how many Tupperware parties been been held at people's houses throughout America for the last 64 years? Hundreds of thousands. Oh, and no. it was his marketing strategy. His items were not selling in stores. He pulled them out of stores. Hired one woman, hired her to have the first Tupperware party, and it just spread from there. It, it was like, it, I mean, it's an old phrase, like wildfire. You, you just might imagine within minutes it's down in the next county. It just took off, and it was exponential, and they're still in business. They're still making various Tupperware items and putting out new ones, but Mr. Earl Silas Tupper patented the Tupperware seal. And it was really interesting. It was working, I think it was DuPont. I have to go back and look. But he asked for some materials. All he wanted was the stuff that they threw away. And they gave him some hard plastic-like materials to use. And the system he figured out 
was based on a paint can where you press down on the top of the can and it pushes the air out so that the paint stays wet in there. It doesn't dry out with air in there. And he thought that if he turned the lids upside down and did the same thing, he would be able to express the air, as in the Tupperware lid, and that's how Tupperware was born. He really was a creative genius. I like Tupperware. Yeah, yeah. everybody likes Tupperware, yeah, and if great. you don't like Tupperware, you can buy the glad ones, but <laughs> the, the, the plastic things with the lids and the seal, it's really cool. Okay, 1947, how many TV sets were there versus how many radio? Um, 47, well, I know the big craze hit in 48, so let's say 100,000 versus 40 million TV, 40 million radio to 100,000 TVs. You know, you, you come in darn close on these numbers. It's 40 million radios uh-huh. and 44,000 TV sets. Well, I think you helped me with the radio. That's why the 44... 40 million come to my head. That's it's amazing. We had that many TV sets by 44. I think so too. I think that's tr- really amazing. That's almost a thousand per state. And you know darn well that the farm states didn't wind up with a thousand televisions. These were most of them were in New York City. I recall yeah. reading that. But I think it's me. Hmm? Why would you buy a TV set when you didn't have any content? You know, you didn't really have a network. You, didn't, you, you had test patterns, you had... Yeah, there were a couple of stations, or not a couple of stations, a couple of programs. It was such a novelty item. Yeah. But, you know, in 1947, people were finished with the war. They, they had money. They, they were back to work. Yeah. Minimum wage was going up. Prices were going up, too. Well, if you think about it, they had leftover money from the war. Who did? People. People had money left over from... Well, remember they had price control. They were not really encouraged to buy a lot of things. And so that's why they asked them to put war bonds and things like that. Yeah, but they also didn't have jobs. Well, by the, by, by the I war... Guess, you know, when, they, when the war plants went into yeah. operation, uh-huh. I guess we were in better shape. Right, I'm just thinking by probably 44, 45 people, there was a lot more opportunity for people to work per, versus five years earlier. You bet. Yeah. You bet. And I did, I did do some comparison information. It's down at the bottom of the list when we're talking prices mm-hmm. for 1947. And then I went back five years mm. and compared it to 1942. So oh. the difference in just the five years. But you can't have that yet. Oh. But I'm not finished. Oh. Soda fountain. Oh. Here's your question. This is slang. Soda fountain slang? Uh-huh. What does a bucket of mud refer to? I've never heard of it, but I could guess. Go ahead. A bucket of mud would be, I would say, hot fudge. No, but that's a great guess. Oh, a bucket of mud. A bucket of mud. Now, this is on the internet, so yeah. you know it's true. Oh, I know it's true, yeah. Okay. Well, is it something to do with something Patricia Dewey loves? Chocolate? Chocolate ice cream. It's a bowl of chocolate ice cream. And I actually knocked my microphone down. Let me pop up the caller and say, hello, caller, you're on the air. Hi, it's a first-time caller. How hello there, first-time caller. You sound so familiar. I just don't think we can recognize that voice, but you never know. Oh, gonna. Yeah, I know. I said you have to tell the truth. Who, me? No, not you. <laughs> I said when you say you're a first-time caller, it has to be the truth. Oh, well, I thought I'd rip you off some 
Yeah, well, I'm working on it. When the envelope arrives, I have your 22,000-plus shows ready to go. Oh, my gosh, all on one DVD, I bet. And I got your request. that many shows. And I got your request already here for tomorrow night, knowing the Gene Autry interview. All right. So we'll, oh, you we'll, can make requests on the guest. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yes. Well, you got over 1,000 interviews running around this bedroom. Wow. I might have, I might find something. Right, I'm looking forward to that. I, I know a lot of other people are too because yes. of the way the calls go about people that were front row kids that like oh, yeah. the Saturday morning matinee. Uh, no, that's not right. Saturday morning show and then maybe a matinee in the afternoon. Saturday matinee, sure. Yeah. Uh, I even have one in my collection, Roy, uh, Roy Rogers. So, not, uh, yeah, Roy Rogers. So I have one of those we'll play sometime. But she ought to be for tomorrow. You, you were one of the kids who showed up on a Saturday and didn't go home until it was too dark to see. Hey, absolutely. We went to, uh, how did the line go in the song? Um, Silver Screen Cowboys, I think the line says, there was, we, there was a double feature and we sat through both movies two times. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty much it. I remember you talking about that. That was, that was a place that was good and safe and fun. Yeah, cool in the summertime and warm in the winter. Uh-huh. And uh, you could go in there for four hours at least because you had the, the movie, uh, maybe a Charlie Chan, and uh, then a Roy Rogers, and then a serial that lasted 12 or 15 minutes. Ooh, what? Man, I love it. That's one of my favorite movies. They were one of the first things to have, uh, places to have air conditioning, right? It was a movie theater. Most have, yeah, these were, um, of course, I, was, I grew up in a small town in mm -hmm. Georgia, and these were neighborhood theaters. Yeah. Uh, but I was just thinking, for most community, the first, probably the first time they ever got air conditioning in the in their city or town might have been the local movies theater. movie theater here had air conditioning long before the average home did yeah i think they, they almost had to the people just couldn't stand it in the, in the south and the yeah theater that wasn't but uh well i think that's a that's a good observation mm -hmm. I, I never thought of it but I, the movie theaters were always air conditioned as far back as i can remember and they had different forms of that uh some were more efficient than others this one had a, a huge I can't describe it. They look like um, a huge box with slats in it, like a window shade, uh, window mm -hmm. blinds. And somehow the water was recirculated through there, and it cooled it. And then it was uh, would cool the air that blew in under from under the stage. I remember where the cool air came from. Under the stage. Wow. I'm sure there were people out there that know more about this than I do about air conditioning. Oh, and another well, thing about people who were mighty cold. <laughs> this um, uh, theater had a tunnel that ran to a co-owned theater about a block away. And they would sometimes, they would swap the uh, concessions back and forth. If they got low on popcorn, they'd go to one <laughs> back and forth. And once they showed the same movie at both theaters, and they, they bicycled the reels down through that tunnel. While he was playing part one, the others was playing part <laughs> You know, so they only rented one movie, and the two houses got to show it. That's right. You know, I love it. In, in the 50s, Frank Brzee was one of the very first people to have a movie theater in a house. The other one was no arson. They would have movie parties Friday night, but they had to meet each other halfway to change the film because one would be showing one film while the other one would be showing the other film. Oh. So I guess that was, I guess, bicycling a film? Double feature. Was, was a thing to do? Yeah. That's fun. Now, yeah. that is about as creative a situation as we have heard in a very long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's one other, one other that, have you ever seen the, um, it won several awards for the 
musical that was nominated, but it's called Cinema Paradiso, I think is the way it's pronounced. Cinema Paradise. Yeah. In Italian. <clears throat> There's a scene in there where the projectionist, uh, the theater over, is overfilled, and they uh, overbooked, or whatever I should say. And they had um, the idea to put a prism up, and f f the image went out the window and on a wall. <laughs> the other side of the prism, it went on the screen. And he, he took the uh, speaker that he had in the uh, projection booth, put it in the window, and people could watch the movie in both places. Mm. Isn't that cool? I think so. That's a great movie if you ever get a chance to run it. And anybody that's worked in and around the movie theater will really, really appreciate it. Okay, I'm into old movies tonight. What's the yeah. best old movie you ever saw? And if it's black and white, it's even better. Well, let's see. Um, way up there would be To Kill a Mockingbird, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. And that's not that old, really, compared to some of the others. Sure. Uh, High Noon would be one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to have a Laurel and Hardy, and Sons of the Desert would be my choice out of the, their uh, catalog. Do you know that their fan club, Laurel and Hardy, guess how many members they have in their fan club worldwide today? Today? Today. I wouldn't even know how to guess. Must be a lot. I was, I was 300,000 members. <laughs> 300,000! Laurel and Hardy are universal. I know. You even have to listen to the dialogue. It could be, they could it, it just turn off the sound and you know what's happening in those movies. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't surprise me that they've got such international appeal, but 300,000. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there with a lot of kids? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, uh, incidentally, they, the home, uh, they call them tents, those, mm -hmm. uh, clubs. Right. Laurel and Hardy fan clubs. Right. Uh, the, the headquarters, I think, is in Los Angeles, and their name for movies that they made in Sons of the Desert is the one that is uh, named for in uh, Los Angeles. Right. And then the others are named other movies they made. But that was a good movie. They even danced in that, if I remember. Well, um, the dance I remember most was in Way, Way Out West, where they danced in, in the street in front of. Yeah. Them. But I think in Sons of the Desert, that's when they were in the Foreign Legion. No, uh, that's a little misleading. They, they, this is where they told their wives they were going to a convention and they slipped off to Hawaii. Oh, 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 yes, okay. Shipwreck, and they were in the newsreels. And, huh? and I think they were dancing there, too. Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, and Stan would cry. I had Young Frankenstein on my oh. list, too. Um, and, yeah, those, those are right off the top of my head are some of my favorites. Sounds cool. All right. Are, are you ready for a really hard question? Um, let me, yeah, sure. No, finish. I didn't know the thing I was going to say. I want to hear the rest of the list first. Uh, my list or yours? Yours. Oh, well, I was going to say something about the baby chicks and through the mail. Uh -huh. Oh, yes. The, the radio station in Memphis uh, used to do that regularly, advertise these chicks for sale. And um, But like the caller said before, you don't want roosters. Hmm? And I, I think these shipments were heavy on roosters. <laughs> but if, on any, any given day, uh, you could go in the post office in my small town and you'd hear the chickens back in the in these um, flat boxes they shipped them in. Oh, and kidding. I, a little water for them and everything. Did they all survive usually? They really did, yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally, the, the box is very well ventilated. It's, it's more 
I don't see how the thing held together. It has any did holes it, in it. Did it pack them with a, with a, lunch, a, a, a sack lunch or something? Each one had a little sack lunch of seeds and, uh, and thermos. Well, I don't know how they did that. <laughs> I just heard them speaking back there. They, 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 went, they, they were mailed their own little box lunch, yeah. The mailbags must have smelled pretty good. <laughs> I never thought of that. It was a good, a good practical joke to order some for somebody. Oh, that's cool. Those poor little chicks. That's why they ask for same-day delivery. Make sure they survive. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, now you really deserve a bad question. I don't think they do that anymore. They don't say, really? No, no, let's see, the caller did say they, they did. Who was that? Yeah, it was Ralph out yeah. in California. He said he could get them shipped to him. He would know me. He's in the supermarket business. Sells all those eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would believe Ralph. You gotta grow the chickens before you can grow the eggs. <laughs> what came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, it had to be the egg. No, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. it had to be the chicken, right? It had to be the chicken because something had to sit on the egg. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Now that sounds like a rationale to me. <laughs> And the supermarket came second. And the supermarket came second. I'll have to send you. I have a cartoon that I will send you, Nolan, and blow my reputation on this. Do I send it to me? I'll send it to you. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and and my reputation is at stake on it. All right. Yeah, it's that bad. I was, I was going to bring up something you were talking about earlier about uh, Eve Arden. Uh-huh. I'm Miss Brooks. Yeah. Did you did you see the movie Grease? No. She she is in that prominently. She plays the principal of the school, Rydell High School. Kidding. The um, my favorite line in there is she they get on the intercom or, or the PA talking to all the uh, classrooms, and she says, uh, "Remember the big game is tonight, and if you can't play the sport, be an athletic supporter." <laughs> <laughs> and she. Imagine Miss Brooks saying something like that. Yes. Um, in, in something like Grease. I, it, how old is Grease? How long ago was that movie out? 1977. Gee, I didn't know it was that old. Yeah, uh, I saw, in fact, I bought it. I bought the uh, Olivia Newton-John concert that she did in Australia. And mm-hmm. that's beautiful auditorium there in, uh, I don't want to say Brisbane, what do I want? What's the other big town in Australia? Oh. Capital. Um, I'm going to start with an A or something. Oh, my brain just went. Mine too. Brisbane is all I can think of. Um, I, and I think that's the third biggest city. I'm trying to think of. Oh, dear. This is embarrassing. I'll, it, is, it is all the way around. I, I can't. I'll just do Google, okay? Well, considering none of us been there, I, I think we got an out card. Yeah, it's too far to go. Yeah. In fall fact, off the earth. Uh, that's true. My, in fact, my aunt and uncle just got back. They were over there for three months. Figuring it was so far to go, they might as well just stay there and see everything rather than making a short trip. This is not right. This is what? It, this, this cannot be right. The capital city of Australia is Canberra. Oh, well. I never heard oh, of it. City. I've never heard of it. I didn't either, and that's the capital. And that's not what we're looking for, is it? Was it Melbourne? No. 
Melbourne is one. There's one. Town, yeah. Um, um, city within Melbourne, okay. That's Melbourne, like we pronounce it incidentally. Right. Cities by population. This ought to be good. Sydney, that's the one you're Sydney. thinking of. Thank you. Oh, what, what, okay, that's what, the most populous one. Melbourne is next, and Brisbane is third. What caught my aunt and uncle shock was how expensive everything is in Australia. You know, the, oh. the, California is, is cheaper. It's a cheap place to stay compared to going to Australia. Well, I'm I'm guessing a huge amount of their need. Stealing everybody's material. That's right. I yeah. guess that there's some truth to that because, but he was run out of vaudeville, and and was doing most of the acts that he did there. And uh, you know, after you do it <laughs> on nationwide television, it's pretty well used. Well, you know what got me about early TV, no one. Why did so many go back to the vaudeville roots for programming, rather than you know by then the late forties. Radio already in situation comedy. It uh, really did lend itself to vaudeville because of the uh, the cam one camera, two cameras, yeah. and, and the stage, and then the rest of it was just a typical vaudeville show. It sure was. Didn't know anything other than vaudeville when they were standing in front of a live audience, mm -hmm. which is I, what television was purported to be. They were standing in front of television in real time, so sure, that that would make sense. They didn't know what else to do. Yeah, but it didn't matter to me what they did. I watched it. <laughs> I listened up about, I, you remember that Indian with the test pattern and the tone? Yeah. I watched that. It's, it's, anything else went on. You remember, the, where, were, where were you when you first saw your first TV set? Was it in, in, a, in a store? What do you remember I more? I friend Bob across the street's parents won a TV and a, 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 a lottery. I guess it was a lottery. There in, in town, one of the appliance stores gave one away, and they get, had their name drawn. And that was the first one I saw. I think the screen must have been seven inches, maybe eight. <laughs> and, it, it, it would, uh, and then they started getting all kinds of new friends, you know, people dropped oh, by. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, they had to put up an antenna on the roof, right? Yeah. Yes, sure did. Seven-inch screen, wow. And uh, everybody had one up. I, know, I remember my mother wasn't crazy about it, how it looked, you know, on, on her house, but <laughs> once she started watching TV, she said, well, I guess it's okay. But we were not among the first, but then, then a, a uh, television repair guy put one in the window with a timer on it, and people would park, bring their cars down early in the evening and watch TV. There was a speaker on the outside of the store. They would watch it through the window. I can remember that. Oh, cool. And then yeah. they, they, they piped the sound to the outside so you knew what was going on. How right. cool. It was like a drive-in movie, except mm -hmm. you didn't have yeah. uh, speakers in your car. In 1951, my mom uh, took her sixth grade class, 
home because she had one of the very first TV sets in the community, and the teacher wanted the class to go see uh, General MacArthur's uh, speech to Congress. You know, old soldiers never die; they just fade away. Sure. So she took her home, her whole class, home for them to watch it on TV. Wow, that's nice. That's something else. Can you imagine something along those lines happening today? I don't no. know what it would have to be to bring the whole class home. You're right. I don't. I don't know. But even if there were something so special, you would have to go through two or three weeks of legal tangling before you could let the kids out of school. That, that's right. Yeah, it would go through two or three lawyers and uh -huh. committees and everything else. Oh, the chickens would die by then. <laughs> Every, everything would have faded away by the time you got there. That's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Too much fun. So, did you hear uh, Mr. Schultz? Did you hear any of the interview with Mr. Schultz tonight? Yes, yes, I want the book. Oh, Do you want the book, really? Yeah, email me the address, if you will, if you're not giving it out. I... When you say, if I'm not giving it out... On the air? What? You, you only gave the uh, email address. Where did I send my money? His email address. Well, you, you have to, if you send an email to him, he'll give you all of that information. I see, I see. I, I missed the first part of that, so... Oh, okay. I... So he's, uh, do, do you have his email address? Yes. Okay. He'll love to hear from you. He's really a delightful person. Honest to goodness, uh, Nolan, this this really is a dynamite book. I can imagine. I, well, I can't imagine the different things you were bringing up, movies and radio. And but we haven't even gotten to the radio part yet. He'll be back in a couple of weeks to do that with us. Wow. So we've, we've got a lot more territory to cover. We only covered about 50% of the book. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so it's, it is a bargain. If you recommend it, I sure will. Yeah, I, I really do. If there's anything about the entertainment industry, the people and the shows and the movies that you enjoy, this is the kind of book that you're going to have a good time with. It's got great pictures in it. He put a lot of pictures in it, too. Pictures are good. What's my just-for-fun question? Your just-for-fun question? Oh, uh, uh, let's see. How about the, uh, the tomato... Oh, I'm sorry. You already missed out on that one. Well, I did. Somebody guessed it. Sure. Ralph got it. I didn't. Well, of course, the supermarket guy would get it. But what was? What were the eight great tomatoes in the little bitty can? Was it Del Monte? No. Uh, tomatoes or something? No. You would have flown it. Oh, I'm glad he called it in first because I don't know, I guess. It was Contadina. Oh, okay. All right. You don't even remember, do you? No, I think that must be a California brand. I don't know. Oh, it's a national brand. <laughs> I've never heard of it myself. Well, it's for real. It is a national brand. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I have a whole bunch of questions here. We will start with the easier one first. You know me well. <laughs> Where was the Western Fort Laramie set? Um... Gosh, I, I, that was Raymond Burr. Right, that was Raymond Burr. The uh, Fort Laramie. Don't know. Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> Fort Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. There was a lot of silence there for a second. <laughs> I didn't know what I. <laughs> you were so tentative.
positive about it, yes. It was actually, um, a couple of people got Fort Laramie, but we had every guest from, goodness gracious, uh, I don't know, one of the Dakotas and Kansas. Kansas, yeah. Nobody could get their arms around Wyoming. They never think of the city, Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming. When you get to the United States, it's a seven-second delay. Yeah, well... You know, what's, yeah. you know what's unusual about Wyoming? Hmm. No. Think, think of the political. Think of something very political. Uh, think of uh, off, number of offices. Offices in the state? Right. Uh, uh, the federal. The federal. Federal. It only has one congressman and it, and it had two senators. Two senators and one representative. That there's only 400,000 people that live in Wyoming. See, you didn't let me answer again. I'm sorry. That's twice tonight. Oh, boy, that. I got two answers, and, and I got blown on both of them. I know. I know. Oh, gee. Uh, who do I complain to? Uh, we can talk. <laughs> I can send a letter to Patricia. Uh-huh. Yeah, she'll take care of me. Uh-huh, she will. Yeah. She negotiates the salary anyway around here. This is true. That's this true. is true. I got extra zeros for it. I know. Ah. Uh -huh. For anybody that cares, the Encore Westerns channel has Gene Autry every Sunday noon. Uh, has what they, on? Gene Autry. Look. <gasps> <gasps> do they show... I, I want they... Do they still? Has, have Gun Will Travel also. I remember in the 80s, they used to have Gene Autry and Pat Buttram sit down and talk about each episode or TV or the movie, and they would yes. run it. Yes. Do they still we, show that uh, part? The state's in Knoxville. I, I remember that. Yeah, that was always a nice feature. That was. Uh, they, uh, good little wrap around. Yeah. Come back after it was over and talk about it. Yeah. And uh, didn't they do it with Roy, too? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny, you know, as you know, known, uh, Gene owned a lot of radio stations. He owned the Golden West Broadcasters, everybody. And he owns a radio station here in L.A. with famous KMBC. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, um, oh gosh, Gary Owens. Yep, Gary Owens, Wink Martindale, and all those guys. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, guess who would come down every sat every weekday morning at 9 o'clock to do his comedy routine with Pat. With Pat. Yeah. So I imagine because he knew the boss, he got a job, come down and... Shoot the breeze with the morning disc jockey and tell funny stories and jokes. One of the funniest things I've heard him say was, and I don't know where I heard it, but he, he said that uh, they were talking about Roy Rogers had triggered stuff, and this is while Roy was still alive, and I think he was at this uh, cowboy convention. And Pat said, Gene Autry wants to know if you can stuff a baseball team. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. The angels weren't always very good. That's right. The Angels are not always the best team around. You bet. I know. Always Angels. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, as long as we're talking baseball, can I give you one of my things for tonight? I've answered the only baseball question I know. <laughs> no, no, this isn't a question. This is something fun for me to tell you. Oh, oh fine. Okay. Um, on April 4th, 1948... 84-year-old Connie Mack, who managed the Washington Senators, challenged 78-year-old Clark Griffith, who owned the Washington Senators, to a race from home base to first base. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yes. It was high. 
it ended in a tie. Did it really? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's, I, I kind of have a feeling that they sort of engineered it, you know, like one wasn't going to run faster than the other or walk faster. I don't know how, how adept they were at this. But there are some fun things that go along with that. Connie Mack um, is the great-grandfather of Connie Mack IV, who is one of our Washington congressmen from Florida. Mm. Connie Mack III lived here. Connie Mack II lived here. And um, Connie Mack I, this one who managed the Washington senators, brought his ball club to Fort Myers in one of the earliest spring training camps in baseball history. How about that? And then it goes even farther than that. The Washington Senators became the Minnesota Twins, and the Minnesota Twins had their spring training camp here in Fort Myers. How about that? Now, see, I think that's pretty cool. That was really good stuff. I'll tell you something cooler. What? I did have a baseball connection, and it has to do with the Twins. Ah, Minnesota, okay. Minnesota Twins, that is. But my son's neighbor was a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers about five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And um, they they were always running around together and, and uh, helping each other with projects. And so I got to meet them. And we, Sally and I took them out to dinner a couple of times. And I went back to, to Warren's for another visit. And they had me over to dinner. And, well, it came time to name their son. It was uh, due in about three months. And Warren said they went through the baby book and then we went on the computer and everywhere they looked, trying to uh, find the name they want, and they kept coming back to Nolan. Oh. And they named their little boy Nolan. Oh, how sweet! And he is uh, Mike Moroth, and he pitches for the Minnesota Twins. So if you run into Mike at the grocery store down there... <laughs> <laughs> I'll well, say Nolan said hey. Yeah. Minnesota's in the playoffs, so who knows? Maybe he'll be in a World Series and go to a World Series game somewhere. He, he's already done one. He was with Detroit when they were in. Ah, uh, yeah. He didn't yeah. get to play, but they all get a ring. Well, I have a question for both of you. Okay. Oh, remind me, one other baseball thing. I'm all of a sudden I'm uncovering a bunch of baseball stuff. Yeah. But you told the story, uh, Walton, about the midget and the cake. Right. Keep that. Hold that thought. Okay, I will. Patrick, okay. Patricia, you go ahead. Go ahead, Patricia. What do you got? The cake. I didn't hear that story, so I'm not going to let that one go. <laughs> All right, Connie Mack. What was his real name? Uh, let's see. He did the Amateur Hour uh, on radio. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Connie Mack, the manager of the Washington <laughs> Senators. <laughs> McGill Cuddy. Oh. It was McGill Cuddy. Um, Who was <laughs> Who, who was the MC of this? I'm trying to think of the uh, Cornelius McGillicuddy, I think it was. Ted Mack. is what Nolan is thinking of. Ted Mack. Ted Mack. You yeah. got the McGillicuddy correct. <sighs> Connie Mack, the baseball yeah, guy. Yeah, what I'm, I'm trying to... McGillicuddy. I know it's McGillicuddy. I'm just trying That's to think. That's good. You were good. Yeah. And I didn't think you'd know that. Silly me. I don't know, Patricia. First name was Cornelius. Cornelius, yeah. So all of the Connie Macs, including Connie Mac the Fourth, is actually Cornelius McGillicuddy. Huh. He was a manager for over 50 years. Long time. Partly because he was also the owner of the baseball team, so he had job security. That helps. Where did Clark Griffith come in then? And he eventually bought, um, when uh, Connie Mac went 
owned if he owned the Philadelphia Philadelphia time when okay. he and then uh, when he went to Washington Senators, uh, that's when the Griffith family bought that. That sounds that sounds reasonable. Okay. McGillicuddy thought he wouldn't be a good name for a TV show, a guy doing a TV show, so he changed it to Mac. <laughs> and he named it Ted Mac, right? That's right. Ah. What? You got a Ted Mac she goes. What? Okay. Stops, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys have a good time. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> Walden, tell your story about the cake or whatever Nolan was going to ask. I know. I'm ready to find out what Nolan. Well, okay. I was going to say, I know the guy who was in charge of putting the little person in the cake. You were? I mean, I mean he worked at, um, well, he was a sports director for radio station in Miami that I worked for, mm. along with Red Barber. Mm. The two of them did a show together. Yeah. And this was, correct me if I'm wrong, it was St. Louis, was it? Yep. It was St. Louis, 1951. Eddie Goodell, yeah. The manager was a real showman. Right. Uh, can you remember his name? Eddie Goodell, I think he was three foot yeah. six. Yes, yeah, that's right. Anyway, he said that he got out there and they, the, I want to be politically correct, the little person did not want to go <laughs> take. He got cold feet at the last month, and okay. they were about to roll it out to home plate. And he said he literally picked him up by the shoulders and put him in there. They'd already rehearsed it, paid him and everything. Oh, he was going to do the act. I mean, all he had to do was get out of the cake. So oh. they, they rolled him out there and opened the top, and he jumped out. Tremendous ovation goes up. <laughs> well, now he's taking bows. He's loving it. <laughs> and uh, then they, uh, but that, that's his claim to fame, my claim to fame that I knew him up close and personal. <laughs> gave us a piece of, in fact, they both gave us a yeah. over for our wedding. Uh, I, while we were, I was working there. We got, I, I got married. They made the cake. <laughs> Think of that. <laughs> I could have used that cake. <laughs> a little worn by that time, but the '60s, it was kind of tired, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. Be a little stale. Yeah. But that's enough about me. Uh, good stuff, though. <laughs> well, when the envelope gets here... Yes, I, it will be there soon. When it gets here, I can put two things in the envelope. Oh, really? Yes, because you knew where Fort Laramie was. It's in Wyoming. Okay. All right. All right, so what, what's, what's you got in mind? Uh, did I not have one pending? Yes, you do. But what was it? I can't remember. What? The, the science fiction show 2000 plus oh yeah the, the one that's uh, there, there aren't a whole lot of shows on that let me see um, 2000 plus oh it's on DVD maybe there really was more I um uh, no it's just a just a couple of shows maybe a dozen did you say you had Roy Rogers radio shows oh do I ever have Roy Rogers radio shows yeah that'd be good. you want Roy Rogers yeah I haven't heard too much of those I, I remember the TV series and of course, it's a neighborhood movie, but I don't remember the radio show that well. I have a good collection of Roy Rogers. All right. Excellent. Boy, I'm going to have to start this advertising campaign sooner each week. You know, I tell you, I think the Roy Rogers show where me just a second to hear him sing. You know, he just had a great voice. Yes. It was yes. easy to listen to. Oh. Not only was it good, it was easy yeah. to listen to. Yeah. There are some people who are good, but they're 
Al Jolson. I mean, my goodness, Mr. Schultz picked Al Jolson, A number one. <laughs> I was, uh, this week, hurt. Uh, uh, last week I was going to, uh, Larry Gaffney sent me a Larry King interview with Gene Autry from 1980. Oh, how cool. And I was listening to it, and they asked Gene, did he consider himself a movie star? He said, no, I was not a movie actor. I was just a personality. You know, people pay just to see personalities. Oh, interesting, he differentiated. Mm -hmm. But you know, Gene had that 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 style that people love when he sang. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he, he he's quoted as saying to John Wayne once that uh, they got in some conversation about their work, and he he said, "Well, Gene said, well, it's all any success I've had is just based on my ability to act." And, you know, <laughs> you just put in John Wayne's leg, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should get that. Um, first movie that he did was a serial. It was a sci-fi. It was science fiction. Yes, that's right. It was way ahead of its time. Right, 1934 or something, something like that. Uh, and I'm struggling to remember the name of it. Shouldn't have brought it up, should I? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I just can't. can't. No, I was actually Undersea Kingdom. That's not it. Uh, who, who was in this? Gene Autry's, Gene Autry's first, Autry. Gene Autry's first movie serial. What's a, a sci-fi? He would work uh, trying to catch the bad guys, but he had to be back at the ranch to do the radio show every day. They somehow made it back and did the radio show, and that's where they'd work the song into the movie. The Phantom Empire? Yes, ma'am. Good for you. Goodness gracious, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the first Gene Autry movie. They brought him off of the uh, barn dance up in Chicago radio program. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was one of the first cowboy stars, I guess, to be, uh, you know, arrived that way. I'm, I'm thinking there may be more, but he was among the first. Well, you guys are making me busy tonight. I charge extra for overtime, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> I was looking here, I thought I, ha I have Gene Autry's very first radio broadcast of the Gene Autry Melody Ranch. I was looking for that. Just oh, really? Pop that in, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, I might have to look for that later, but I was just quickly see if I had it handy. But, uh, yeah, do you remember George Goebel? Yeah. The comedian? Yeah. He, he was on the barn dance, too. That, uh, And I, I picked him out of one Gene Autry movie. He wasn't credited, but he was a part of the band. One of the vocalists. Right. The... George Goble sang? Yes. Yeah, he was, that's where he started. Was he, he, he put a little cowboy hat, and he uh, had a banjo. King Archer was talking about this on his interview with Larry King. What? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that was a good... That, that guy was a very good comedian. I always enjoyed him. And a, a very good actor, too. These guys did everything. Mm -hmm. They did everything. If they couldn't sing, they did anyway and danced to cover it up. <laughs> and if they could dance and they didn't want to sing, they kind of mumbled over the, over the tops. You know, it, it just, they were so good at everything. They had to keep moving. Yes. Keep moving. It's amazing. Just amazing. They, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody in today's arena who could keep up with some of these people? I found it. I'm going to play a little excerpt of the first Geotry Melody Ranch show here in a second. Okay. But no, I, it's amazing. You had to be well rounded. 
maybe because before you ever became a star, you worked 20 years working in your craft. That goes back to cutting paying dues in vaudeville, I guess, because they huh? sure had to do everything, from ventriloquism to magic to... The only ones who made it were the ones who could jump up and say, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Played all the big, big towns. Mm-hmm. Walton is still looking for something. I found it. I would get good, I would get queuing it up. Okay. So, you type. I'll, I'll get off and so I can listen oh. on the on the good speaker. Okay. All right, guys. All right. Oh, Nolan. thanks, Nolan. Always a pleasure. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Yeah, no, sure. Tell us a little bit of Gene uh, Autry's very first radio broadcast, Patricia. We'll just we'll just tune up and just if we're going to talk about Gene, we're going to feature Gene a little bit tomorrow night beside Fred Allen. Here's a little bit of Gene. Thanks, Gene. I'm sure all your fans who've seen you so many times in Republic Pictures love to hear you singing those grand songs of yours and listen to your honest-to-goodness yarns about doings here at Melody Ranch. And now, thanks to you merchants who display double mint gum, everybody's going to have a chance to hear you every Sunday. But more about that later. You know, wherever people gather to see motion pictures today, Gene Autry and his wholesome adventures in the Great West are favorites. His twanging guitar and tuneful songs are as American as natural, as typical of this nation of ours as, well, say, apple pie or corn pone. But no one ever looked for Gene. No talent scouts combed the country for him. No lights blazed above theaters the first time he picked up his guitar and strummed one of those songs he loved so well. No, Gene started life as a cowhand, riding the range. But he soon got to thinking there were ranges beyond the ones he rode, a world to be explored. The spirit of adventure, the desire to make a place for himself in this larger world, finally led him to take his first set-and-down job as a telegraph operator in a little Oklahoma community. Here, one evening, he was receiving a message. Uh, one, seven, nine, eight, seven, seven. Hey, is anybody here? Yeah, just a second. I'm trying to get this message. On number 10, tonight. Okay, mister, what can I do for you? Well, Gene Autry, is that you? Why, Tex. Gene, I can't believe my eyes. What are you doing here? Well, how about you? When did you pull into town? Oh, I'm just passing through, but but you. Stand back there a minute. Let me look at you. Well, well, my old partner. Pull her there, kid. But what are you doing here? Working. Working? You don't mean you've got a job here in the depot selling tickets and running that there telegraph? That's right. Oh, quit your kidding. Gene Autry at a desk job. <laughs> well, here I am. You mean to stand there and tell me you gave up riding the range to... Gene, you didn't get hurt in an accident or something. <laughs> oh, no, nothing like that, Tex. Well, but what are you doing here? Well, it's like this. Riding the range is great. Probably the best kind of a life a fellow could lead. It makes a man think. Out there under the stars, I got to thinking maybe there were a lot of things I didn't know about. And a man can't think straight if he hasn't had some experience. Why not? Well, the way I figure it, Tex, the more different kinds of broncos you've broken, the easier it is to ride the next one. Yeah, but you ain't riding broncos here, Gene. Well, I figured out that living is sort of like busting a bronc, and the world's a pretty tough one to bust. I want to find out if I'm fit to handle it or whether it'll throw me. But you know, Tex, mm -hmm. there's a lot of times I get lonesome for the range. Yeah, you must. Yeah, I want to ride all day and sleep out under the stars at night. Get my food from a chuck wagon. But I ain't going back to the range till I'm sure I can meet any man on his own ground. 
so I've started looking the ground over. Mm-hmm. But how does Champion feel about this? You can't expect a horse to lead a natural life in a city this size. No. How, uh, how big is this place anyway, Gene? Well, I'd say about 500 on Saturday night. Mm, must get mighty crowded. Yeah, it does. But I'm going to stay here, Tex, just like I said. Something tells me I've got to get places. And I figure this is as good a starting place as any. Well, a depot is always a good place to start anywhere from. But it takes money to ride on trains. And that's what I'm working for. You know a little money will help you learn a lot of things. Oh, forget it. Now, look, Gene, what you better do is hook up with me again. We'll carry on being partners just where we left off, over on the ranch. Hmm? Well, thanks, Tex, but I can't do it. Well, think it over. Uh, I'll wait till you take care of this fella coming in. Sure, I want to talk to you some more anyway. Have a seat over there. Okay. Howdy. I wonder if I could get you to send this wire. Sure thing. Newspaper rates. All right, sir. Hey, that looks like a guitar over there. It is. Yours? Mm-hmm. You, you sing, do you? Oh, a little sometimes. Uh, one of the rules of the railroad is to make its customers happy, ain't it? <laughs> yes, sir, that's right. You know, it might make me happy if you'd plink up a tune. Oh, I never sang for the public. Oh, I'm not public. I'm just one fella in a... And a friendly one at that. And there's nothing I like better than a real Western song sung by a real Western man. You are from the West, aren't you? Yes, sir, sure am. Go ahead, then. Oh, mister, I just sing for my own pleasure. I'm not good enough to sing in public. You know the rule of the railroad. Keep the customer happy. Well, all right, sir, but uh, I warn you, it won't be very good. You'll be honest and sincere, though. And that's as good as any man can ever get. Okay, here goes. I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend. Where the longhorn cattle feed on the lowly jimson weed. I'm back in the saddle again. Riding the range once more. Toting my old 44. Where you sleep out every night and the only law is right Back in the saddle again Whoopie tie, I oh, rocking to and fro Back in the saddle again Whoopie tie, I, yeah, I go my way Back in the saddle again Thanks, son. Huh? What's your name? My name is Autry. Gene Autry. Well, Gene, you know you're wasting your time here. Wasting my time? Yep. You've got a good voice. But more than that, there's something real and colorful in it. Well, thanks. If I was you, I'd, I'd strike out tomorrow morning and get myself to New York as fast as I could. New York? Yep, New York. Town over on the Hudson River. <laughs> Why, that place is so crowded, a fellow couldn't even breathe. Well, you sound as if you're, you're scared of New York. No, I'm not scared. Just to... Well, now, 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 let me tell you this, Gene. New York's got show business, and that's where you belong. Me in show business? You could go a long way. Oh, no. I read about shows in the paper, and I seen one where the actors didn't get any hand clapping. All they got were vegetables and bad eggs. Thought you said you, you weren't scared. Well, I'm not exactly scared. Uh... Well, you needn't be. I like chin. I'm a pretty average citizen. Well, I'm afraid show business isn't in my line. I think it is. I know a little bit about show business and what people like. Not too much, but a little. Well, thank you, anyhow. That's all right, Gene. 
You give it some serious thought. Well, send that wire off fast as you can. All right, sir, sure will. Uh, hope we'll be seeing each other again in New York. Goodbye. Bye. Can you beat that? Say, Tex, he wants me to go into show business. Yeah, I heard what he said. <laughs> Can you picture me on the stage? <laughs> With a voice like mine? Well, I always liked it. Well, what do you know about voices? Well, nothing, but... Nothing, that's just about right. But that gentleman ought to know what he's talking about. Why? Because he's Will Rogers. Huh? He was Will Rogers? Sure. I've seen him before. <laughs> I, I wanted to tell him one of my stories, but I, I was afraid to. <laughs> And there's part of the very first Gene Autry show. And that is a true story how Gene Autry broke into show business. Back in, that was New Year's Eve, 1939. And we're waiting to see when Patricia comes back. Do you know, I heard that show, and I don't think I've heard more than ten Gene Autry shows. There's not that many floating around. The, the, uh, the, the, the Autry family got them. The Autry company has them all. They just have not... Uh, really too many and the reason why we have this one uh, Wrigley in, uh, f- for a couple of seasons had a show called Gateway to Hollywood which uh, I had played this where they discovered a star and they have them try out for a movie name if you want it mm-hmm. you got your name that's how Gail Storm got her name Right. so the first 45 minutes with this tr- uh, show Gail Storm won her name and uh, Wrigley wanted to introduce to the sponsors. They asked the audience to tune out. Can you believe this? A national coast-to-coast show. They asked the audience to tune out and let the uh, the dealers of Wrigley to hear this geometry show. So I played it a few times. Oh, I have a really sizable collection of geometry Melody Ranch shows. No kidding. And I've got um, oh, probably a dozen Melody Roundups as well. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's in a Western mood, you can win the Autry stuff. Hello there, you're on the air. Well, I'm glad to hear that, really. Oh, you Hi. are. Did you hear the way they described American as apple pie and corn pone? Yeah, that was good. Wasn't that guy just thought of you? How are you? I want to say why we're in full of fleas, but I don't know that I really feel that good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that one you left me in the dust. I'm still practicing (laughs) y'all. My God, you never heard that expression? No. Well, then have you ever heard that? No, I'm from the West. I have no idea. I don't think that's an excuse. He doesn't take anything as an excuse. Crikey, I, that's right. I say I'm a Yankee and he doesn't even take that. I know. I'm a Westerner. You're a Yankee. We don't know nothing. Well, that's what he says. In that, in that respect, he agrees with us. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say that you don't know nothing. I'd just say that you're... Well, uneducated. You've had, you've had a sheltered life. Yes, well, uneducated. A little bit la- lacking in education, I guess, I would way I put it. <laughs> All right, I'll take it up with my parents. Uh, by all means. <laughs> They're probably responsible for this. No, I know, I know. Look what they produced. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. So how is stuff? Well, it's still stuff, I guess. Doing okay? Well, Glad to hear y'all, your um, um, topic this morning. I got into Taylor and Nolan's thing. 
But um, so do you have a but, you have a favorite black and white movie of all time? No, not really. Not really. Uh, but I, I do remember the sci-fi thing that he was talking about with Gene Autry. Of course, it was a rerun on television, not um, the movie. Um, you know, in the theater. But I remember it quite well um, with the Thunder Riders. Thunder Riders? Yep, that was in the movie. Um, it, it was wild for a Western, I'll have to say that. But it was good. I mean, you know, I didn't have any kick about it. There were sure some unusual things in there for a Western. Like what? You ought to give that a try. Like what? What was in there that was unusual for a western? Oh, I remember um, they wore capes and odd helmets. I remember they seemed to have a hook on top of the helmet. I never understood the logic back of that one. And they carried a, it wasn't a sword. It was like a um, tapered, wide-bladed, short sword type thing. But it wasn't really... I guess it might have been used for fighting too, but my, my, the main claim to fame that I remember of that was they could hold the tip of it up to a rock or something like that and burn the thing right off. It, it was like a torch, uh, you know, a settling torch, really. The effect it had, I mean, it didn't look like one, it just had the effect. That's the science fiction movie that we were talking about earlier? Yes, uh, that was one of the things I thought was odd in there. And they had to hide out in a room in the back of a barn that the wall opened up, um, you know, had tack all over the front of it, but the wall would open up and they go in the back of it. But the, the um, now this was Gene's bunch, um, the actual um, aliens or whatever, man, they had a home there of an under, underground kingdom, really with uh, elevators that appeared to, to move in, in in the air. I mean, you know, there was no elevator shaft. I don't know if that was me. Um, but you really ought to, if you get a chance to look at that, you ought to do that. Really? Well, certainly. With all the other stuff out there for me to look at? <laughs> He's walking in your education, Patricia. This is true. Yeah. Well, you see, I was small, and I thought it was fascinating. Even though it was kind of a contradiction, but um, I'm so, I still thought it was fascinating at the time. Why would I'm so uneducated that it would probably amuse me too? Okay. I have to Let's see what, what is it? Simple minds are easily fascinated, I think. We used to work from the East, always say. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's the yeah, right. Uh, you were talking about Roy Rogers singing. Um, I always thought it was wonderful too, but you know, I, I loved to hear Dale Evans sing. Mm -hmm. And I guess I really shouldn't bring it up, but you know, I think the last time that I heard her sing was on some TV show that they were guest on. And I don't know how old she was at the time, but well, there were two. I really felt I really felt sorry for it. It, it was it was terrible. Oh. And I don't know why anybody even allowed it to happen, but I, I just I felt so sorry for it. It, it just sounded awful. Well, 
But they, you know, had a lot of health trouble during the end of her life. You know, she was in her 90s. And I think she pretty much wheelchair bounded, you know. Um, well, I don't know that she yeah. was in a wheelchair at that point. Yeah. She might have been because obviously I wasn't watching the thing. I was just listening. I have a... There was, and there was mention, yeah. but her voice had just gone. And I just, I really felt sorry for her because I always loved to hear her sing. Was she still with Roy at the time? She, oh, yes. Five? Okay. Yeah, the two of them were there? Yeah, they were both on there, and both of them sang. Now, he was, he was, you know, he did fine. Yeah. Um, but hers was sure a mess. I know a lot of people thought that uh, Roy Rogers kept his age very well. Yeah. Oh, well, he sounded like he did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing you, Walden. He are. Well, when you don't talk into the microphone, I lose you. I'm right on top of the microphone, so let me, let me, let me do this, hold on. That was perfect. That's the one, two, three. Oh, there you are. Yep. We just had to re the mic. I don't know. We have to get you some new toys. I know. <laughs> I know. If it's in the budget. Um, well, I don't know if more people know. I have uh, probably the last interview, radio interview I know of Dale did I have it with Stephanie Edwards she taught Roy how to read before they ever got to get Roy did not Roy was not able to read she she did a lot for him and uh, you know she was a talented talented lady there's no doubt about that from being a songwriter to uh, writing all those books and she was something else. And, you know, most people may or may not know that she was a band singer. She was a regular big band singer before she ever got into yeah. the Westerns. She was. Yeah. And um, I just, I always loved to listen to her. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I really felt bad about that. Yeah. No, that really is sad. And it's probably just my opinion. Uh, you know, it just, he, it's it just, sensitive to that because you enjoyed listening to and watching both of them. Oh, yes. You know, as a kid, when you were growing up, they mm-hmm. were there, so... Oh, yes, I, well, I never did go to the movies hardly any when I was a kid. It just, I, I bet you I, I, I didn't go to more than two or three movies, but, you know, I'd watch them on television, and, that you know, I always thought it was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would And, you know, another thing... People would get off on the, t- the deal that well, it wasn't really a western. They had cars in there, and a lot of them di- never did realize that it was supposed to be. Those were real time uh, things of the 1940s or 50s. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it wasn't an old west thing. It was a modern day thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and they didn't seem to realize that. Well, they were they were trained by the old time westerns where everybody was on a horse and everything was in the mountains. Yes, and, the- and and there was uh, you know a tremendous amount of that. But uh, I remember Dale had a station wagon, and of course everybody knows about Nellie Bell. But um, it, it was just a, a real time, everyday, right now thing. Mm-hmm. But people were so accustomed to seeing the old-time Western setting, it was hard for them to make the transition. Exactly. 
um, yeah, they both really did sing good, and I like both of them. And I like Gene Autry, too. I mean, you know, he's really one of my favorites as well. Now, Ray in Chicago has a five, five high five on Gene Autry. That's his favorite cowboy. Mm -hmm. Well, good I would be inclined to agree with him, I'd say. Between uh, him and Roy Rogers, probably at the very top. And there was others I like, but, you know, they were... They were the best ones, I guess, as far as I was concerned. Holden, the, the the show that you just played, the beginning, the first show of Gene Autry, the guy he called Tex, yeah. sounded in the beginning like Curly Bradley. And yeah, and by then it was not because Curly was still in Chicago. No, I I could tell yeah. after that that it was not, but it right. sounded like Curly Bradley who it's, played Tom Mix. Wow. That's amazing. Some of the words that came out. Well, man. <laughs> <laughs> and originally, Curly Bradley and the group were based in the West before they moved to Chicago mm -hmm. to be on the National Bond Dance in the late 30s. So, huh? so you have good ears, Patricia. Your uh, ears are being tuned. My, my ears are being trained. Well, that, that would be fine. If it were Curly Bradley, it would even be great. I know. But it wasn't. I know. It sounded like him in the beginning. If you, if you listen to the first... Not even 30 seconds uh -huh. of his conversation with Gene. I think there are a couple of words that you'll pick up, but I really did like as 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 American as apple pie and corn pone. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Well, you know, and he Gene Autry was a staple. I think on CBS on Sunday. At, I don't know what time on Sunday, but about 16 years. Wow! You know, they had a great run from 1940 until 56. That for the time he was in the service. And then most people may or may have forgotten that Gene enlisted and actually flew. He didn't, he didn't want to be just an entertainer. He went ahead and uh, flew in India, you know, flew the hump to, for supplies and things. Yeah, I did not realize he flew that. Yeah, that was his route. that was his route, the Burma route. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. I did not realize he was flying that. Yeah, that was his route. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart was also yeah. pilot during the war. Yeah, and also Clark Gable, you know, he was flying over in Germany. Mm -hmm. So think about it, those guys were willing to put their career on hold to serve the country. Makes you wonder how many guys would be doing that today.
Gloria Jr. prepped. <laughs> well, okay. All right, here we go. Who was Space Cadet? Tom Corbett. Very good. That one was out there for a while and nobody got it. That's great. Oh, well, I just having trouble getting it in gear, but that one's rather obvious, really. Oh, no. See, they're only easy and obvious if you know what the answer is. Oh. Well, when I can get I that a mind in gear. I asked that of two people over the last couple of weeks, and you're the only one who... Uh, well, I missed that. I hadn't heard you ask, but that's all right. Well, you did tonight. Yeah. Right. Now, somewhere around here, did I did I mail you an envelope this week? If I Not that I know anything about. Uh, I think you've got several backed up, and I didn't tell you anything. Cause no, you didn't. I, I couldn't think of anything. And last week, I just I listened to... Uh, you know, the tail end of your show as usual, but I was in kind of rough shape last night. I didn't think I'd need to be calling, so I didn't. I just listened. So between then and now, did you come up with a show that you'd like to have? Well, I really didn't, but since no one mentioned what he did, um, I would like uh, the Roy Rogers Orgy Entre Shows. Yeah, Melanie Ranch, or Roy Rogers, either one would be all right. Since I owe you some previous times when you didn't take anything, maybe I could send you both of them? Well, I would love to have them, but uh, you didn't really sign the IOU, so I'm not going well, you know, to press you, but uh, yeah, I would love to have them. Ten easy payments, so she can do that. Excuse me, Walden, uh, ten, uh, 10 easy payments, Patricia can send it off to you. <laughs> Since 
you know, you put stuff in the wash and you come up with a sock missing. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, but you, you hadn't thought about the result of that. Um, somebody proposed one time that if you have a sock missing, you know, somebody uh, 3,000 miles away goes to take their laundry out of the washing machine and finds an extra sock. <laughs> this is good. Somebody, a long time ago, when, when washing machines were not as efficient and well-fitting as they are today, actually found some socks between the barrel and the the exterior cabinet of the right. washing machine. They had kind of sneaked over the top and into the cabinet. So they really were missing socks. The washing machine really was eating socks. Oh, I don't doubt that for a minute. I ain't real sure that that couldn't happen today, I guess. People just take it as a as a given and don't really ever say much about it. But um, I'm sure you have things that turn up missing occasionally, and uh, that's probably where they went. Well, I'm, I want to be sitting on the sidelines when all of those emails download at the same time. What a great science fiction plot that, that could be developed into. Yeah, wouldn't it, though? Mm -hmm. The day the world stood still. <laughs> <laughs> I totally shut down. Right. <laughs> Didn't stand you know, once in a while, you, you, you run across letters being delivered that were mailed 80 years ago and stuff like that. Yes, yes, yes. You hear about it occasionally, and back um, you see it 80 years, an email turning up from whoever. I, I wonder if everybody ever done a research what the, uh, the longest for somebody to mail a letter and it got to somebody. I mean, dude, have it been somebody mailed something? I would, I would really be curious to know that. Yeah, did it take, did, it, did something show up three years later? Oh, goodness, no, they're talking, like, from World War Two. things are showing up today. Yeah. And, and even before. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, Tear down old buildings and find these things stuck in the back of cabinets mm -hmm. where they slipped, you know, in, in mm -hmm. the back of the mail racks. Yeah, and then sort of continue to, sort of put it back in the mail and somebody gets it. Somebody get they they really do a good job trying to track down people. It's amazing. I I mailed something to a street address. It's an office mm -hmm. with the business person's name. It's an office building, just four stories. That's the whole thing. And they refused to deliver it because I forgot to put the suite number on it. This guy has been there for twenty years. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, but you're making it too complicated. I know. But every week. Uh, you know, I have mail that turns up in somebody else's box, or I get mail from people down the road here. Mm -hmm. um, my address is 4110, and theirs is 4410. Now, why you can't tell the difference in that, I don't know, but apparently the carrier can't. And um, I've, I've always said that being able to read had nothing to do with getting a job at the post office. Well, I don't want to mean mouth everybody, but I've had some pretty bad experiences too. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it does happen, and, and I should have we've, we've had some carriers that you know they can't even speak English. Yeah, uh, the, the test they take is pretty tough, but it's all numbers. Well, I'll tell you something. Yeah, maybe it is, but some of the carriers I've seen here. I believe the guy doing the tester was doing the testing was out in the <laughs> field somewhere the day these took it. Uh huh. 
think it's me. It's Patricia saying she didn't have the sweet number. She listened to the old radio show and want to give out Chicago, oh. Illinois. I mean, no zip code. Nothing. Right. No street address. Send it to... Send it to this radio station, Chicago. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> well, today, I doubt they could even find it. Well, uh, Cheryl Mills... I, I don't uh, know why it's coming up. It's kind of irrelevant, but I'm curious. Well, no, neither one of you probably old enough to know, so it really doesn't matter. I, I know. What to, what to... I was just thinking about, you know, when I was a kid, a lot of times stores would be, you'd mostly say jewelry stores, but there were some others that were just small two or three room things that was like an office in a multi-story building downtown kind of thing. And they had real wide halls with just rows of doors down either side of the hall, and they had these transoms over the doors. And sometimes the fancy ones would have the um, frosted glass on the door with their name stenciled on it, you know, and mm -hmm. painted on it in gold leaf or something like that. And it seemed to be a standard way of doing things. Um, have either one of you seen anything like that? Because I'm sure it's all long gone. We had in, in my hometown where I grew up, and they're still there, some of these really old buildings that had the, the oak doors with, as you say, the frosted glass and um, the lettering on the doors, and the transoms were their air conditioning. And they still have them. I mean, the transoms aren't open any longer because everybody's got air conditioning. But, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and they also had uh, glass along the top. Of the doors, um, a lot of them did. Mm -hmm. oh, instead of a transom, yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. Usually had glass in them. Um, not always. Some of them were, were solid wood, but they usually had. And that, that's uh, there's a, a writing term or a term in the writing community called over the transom, which means you're submitting a manuscript, a book, or an article, or you know something that you've written. You're you're sending it without permission, like you haven't sent a, a request for approval, that, that kind of thing. You just sent it cold. And they call it over the transom because in the earliest years, like before the turn of the century, writers would show up at publishers' offices after hours, and the transoms would be open, and they would throw their manuscripts over the transom and into the office. Oh, no kidding. That's where the term over the transom, they, this came in over the transom today. Wow. Wow. Cool, huh? Mm -hmm. Yep, it, it is. I guess it would work, so that's what counts. But, Edgar, hey, I, th I think you better have the original at home. Yeah, well, it's uh, how Edgar Allan Poe got published. He'd throw his stuff over the transom. Uh, that's interesting. It really is. Well, you think about the early authors, mm -hmm. they, they trust their manuscript with somebody. I mean, oh, sure. they didn't have carbon copy back in the 1830s. They didn't have typewriters. You know? They did it all by hand. Sure, they just sure, sure didn't have copiers. Just gave, <laughs> just gave it to them, and hopefully something happened to it. Yeah. Well, I got a feeling sometimes it did, <laughs> besides what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That, that, would, that would be a real disheartening thing. Mm-hmm. Your manuscript disappeared. Well, also, just think of... What, what do they do? Okay, they took it to a publisher. Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. Think about the distribution. I mean, when did really bookstores pop up? I mean, in the old days, the yeah. bookstores might not have been around. There must have been a way for them to get the, to get the books uh, out. You know, by the 1800s and even before, a uh, printing was established. But still, that manuscript was a, <laughs> a very fragile thing. And, it was, and it was one of the- also got the deal that... You had a lot of unscrupulous people, too, yeah. that uh, you'd see the thing in print and find out it was your manuscript with somebody else's name on it. That probably did happen. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it did. Uh, I, I don't, I'm sure not every day, but I'm sure it did happen. But when you handed that thing over to somebody, um, I just wonder how you would prove that it was yours. Well, <laughs> that's what copyrights are for. You, you asked. Oh, yes, now it is. Yeah. But. The um, the the reality of it is that there was very little theft, and still is very little theft in the writing community. Uh-huh. You have an editor or a publisher that purloins somebody's work. They're not editors or publishers for very long. It's just a, it's an honor system, and once in a while it fails. But most of the time, it works. It's just not done. What about the early distribution process, Patricia? Did they have? What did they do before bookstores? Um, they they frequently published in newspaper like distribution, like monthly or weekly. Uh huh. Um, not not very often in books. Books were very very expensive to yeah. uh, to put out. Well, most people couldn't afford them either, so... Well, I mean, that's probably explain why some towns you had six newspapers, like in New York City. I suppose, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. But books were frequently published in installments in newspapers, like um, George Eliot's work with uh, Silas Marner. Mm-hmm. Was, was that Silas Marner she did? Don't know. I think so. I think that was George Eliot. <laughs> I, I get my classics mixed up. But they were printed in installments right and they were frequently paid by the word so that's one of the reasons why some of the old classics like dickens are very long pieces of work because they got paid by the word isn't that cool nice yeah so they just kept packing it on (laughs) but they were as i said they were printed in installments and magazines right up until probably Oh, I'll throw a dart at it and say the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Printed stories in installments. Well, I've been listening to the old radio shows where they say, uh, continuing to look up in a Saturday evening post uh-huh. for the installment story. Sure. Or the Reader's Digest. Uh-huh. You know, those have been two publications. That pop- the Evening Post and the women's magazines as well, like um, Ladies Home Journal. Uh-huh. They... They ran installments so that people would come back the next month and buy the magazine. They wanted to see the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's not book or you type things, but we've been cleaning out my house, which was my parents' house, too. Mm-hmm. And we recently went through an old cedar chest that was falling apart, or an old chest. I don't know if it was really cedar, but it was sold as that, I guess. But the thing was falling apart, and Barbara was going to take stuff out just, you know, and see what was really there and what was junk. But she found a front page newspaper, or a newspaper front page of 
of um, Roosevelt's death, and it was so much different than the newspaper is now. One thing, it was a whole lot larger mm -hmm. paper, um, and I can't remember what else she said was different. Of course, we still have it, but um, I don't remember what she said was uh, as well as what was different about it, but I just remember the size was a lot bigger. Well, that's one thing people my folks are complaining that they are shrinking paper size so much now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, they've been buying ice cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a stack of index cards now instead of a nice big fat newspaper yeah. to open up and sit yeah, I always, I always say on Mondays, especially around here, I go get the paper and bring it in and, and um, you know, make a comment. We got a, a newsletter today or a postcard. <laughs> right. And you are so right. But, you know, I, I guess that they're, they're, they're people just don't, aren't as big into newspapers as they used to be. Nope, they're and online. I guess they're having a hard time making a go of it. Mm -hmm. The New York Times just sent out emails this week that they are going to a system of limiting online views of articles to 20 per month. And if you want to read more than that, you've got to pay a subscription. Uh, Which is, I mean, it, I know a lot of newspapers are doing that, and it doesn't surprise me that the New York Times is doing it. It's just kind of sad that access to newspapers is limited even more. Well, well it's, it's you know, it makes you wonder how many people are going to be willing to pay it. Yeah, you know, I see the newspaper's point, too. It's costing them money to produce it regardless of whether it's online or in print it's costing and you know I can see both sides of the deal but yet when you stop and think well there's so much on television radio and everything else why should I pay for the head yeah it's too it's too late the, the, the horse is out of the barn yeah I'm afraid you're right I think it's it's really becoming a fast downhill spiral yeah. for newspapers. News has, the newspapers and the online venues have always been advertiser supported. Right. And of course, in the current economic climate and what it has been for the last two years, advertising, it, it's just disastrous. Um, I remember picking up a Time magazine shortly after the economy tanked and mm -hmm was like, as you say, Harwood, it was like holding a newsletter. It wasn't a magazine, it was a newsletter. There was so little advertising in it, and much right. of what was in there was public service. Well, I'm assuming when you had delivery, the, what you pay the newspaper boy pretty much just covered the cost of the boy delivering the paper and the actual printing. Everything else, well, probably the content. Today, now, it's a girl that works for me probably 10 years ago or close mm -hmm. to 10 years ago, her husband would have a job, so he decided he'd carry the paper, you mm -hmm. know, home delivery type thing, and right. they'd ride down the street and throw it out the window of the car. Mm -hmm. Well, that lasted for about a week. He said they, they, you know, they didn't get anything hardly for doing that, mm -hmm. and uh, I can understand why the paper can't afford to pay them a lot to do that, mm -hmm. but um, like I said, it's just kind of a... Um, 
uh, a losing spiral, so to speak. Yeah, and it really is sad. Now, I get a delivered to my brother who is in a nursing facility, and it's $18 a month. Now, the person who delivers to this nursing facility delivers a stack of probably 20 newspapers, and, and these are all subscriptions. These are people, you know, who, who get their newspapers. Right. So... For if there there are twenty eighteen eighteen thirty six you're you're talking three hundred and sixty dollars. What, what am I saying here? Three hundred and sixty dollars a month for that route. It would be for for that one stop. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the percentage would be, but boy, it it's sure an economy of scale when you can drop off twenty newspapers for a subscription instead of having to deliver to twenty different locations. Right. Well, yeah, he's a whole lot better off doing that. But I mean, it's costing us. $10 and a few odd cents a month for seven-day delivery. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't see, of course, I know we're not the only person on the route, but still, I just, I don't see how in the world, now like $10 for 30 or 31 papers. Yeah. Now, when you look at what that paper is costing, I can't see how they can do it. What kind of advertising is in the paper? Because advertising in a newspaper is pricey. Oh, it is. Very costly. Very costly. But but still, it's just. For, 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 I, I just I don't know. It, it, it looks like. You know, I really wouldn't want to get into. For a small ad, I, for when I was uh, put on the Eddie Kill show, for a small ad, one-time ad, one-time shot, a small, you know, three-inch by five-inch. And went to six hundred thousand home cost me three hundred fifty bucks. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I was setting an eye after the Sunday, so I you felt know, one of one of the interesting things about the publishing industry is that their advertising dollars are geared or or the the foundation of incoming advertising dollars is based on the number of people who will read it. So it's their distribution. Right. Magazines will give themselves away because it's the advertising revenue that drives the engine. It's the eyeballs. It, yes, yeah. yes. So when when somebody comes in and the publisher says, well, we've got a thousand circulation and we can sell you an ad for $500, when somebody comes in and the editor can say or the publisher can say, we've got 500,000 subscribing to our magazine, mm -hmm. and this will cost you a half a million dollars to run this half-page ad. Mm -hmm. It is advertiser-driven publishing, and the publishers will give away their product in order to generate advertising dollars. So that gets factored in there as well. Yeah. I know out here, what used to be the major thing that drove the bus for the LA Times and were ads by department stores. Department stores, yes. And once 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 department stores started combining them, mm -hmm. they stopped spending money yep. advertising, and that's have killed the paper business. They they do co-op advertising instead of uh, a store advertising that they sell a product, they'll get together and advertise the product, and it's available at these five fine stores. Mm -hmm. So there are so many ways that they can economize on their advertising, and of course it takes a toll on the on the print, but it is advertiser supported. Uh, they they don't make any money, and they don't intend to make any money on subscriptions. You no, know, I think that's quickly to cover the, the the carriers, and I don't know the manufacturing costs. I don't know if it helped cover that part. Could, 
think it, I think how much it cost them to have somebody printing press. I mean, that has to be a major annual expense for guys who are... Well, it is, and, and newsprint and ink. I mean, okay. I know even the local newspapers, they buy, they buy ink in railroad tank cars. <laughs> See, that's a lot of ink. That's a lot of ink. We got these little teeny-weeny cartridges in our printer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. But it, it's, a, it's an incredibly detailed and balanced business to be in. It's really a rough business to, to measure and balance. When the economy tanked a couple of years ago, it just upset that balance terribly. Well, that's why it's just me. So look, in the old days, you had communities that had a morning paper and an evening paper, and a day, you know, like, sick, like New York had sick papers. I mean, it's amazing what it was in the 40s and 50s. You, had, you didn't have one newspaper town. No. No. Right, and I'll bet you there's no place in the country anymore that's got two papers a day. Probably right. So, and there, it was a morning edition from one newspaper mm -hmm. and the afternoon edition from another newspaper, so you mm -hmm. always had more than one perspective, mm -hmm. and you had updated news and first-of-the-day news. Mm -hmm. People were just news-hungry. And then we got television, and we, of course, had radio, and more and more people were tuned into radio for their news. But I don't think there's, uh, I'm with you, Harwood, I don't think there's a town in America that gets two newspapers a day. I think they probably at one time missed a golden opportunity was to get, that what they should have got was a milkman, milkman to deliver the paper. Now, isn't that a cool idea? That's a great idea. <laughs> oh, that, that? How come nobody thought of that? They need you. Well, they needed you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most of my ideas are... The past, I, wonder, I wonder what when was the last time a new paper did a, a, a special edition. I'm asking when Roosevelt passed away. Uh -huh. That had to be a special edition that came out that evening or when it, or in a World War II. I wonder when the last time we had a new bulletin that the new paper felt that they needed to come out with a special, a special edition. It, was a long time it had to be. With the news kid hawking extra, extra. Yeah. Um, because it was an extra edition. Right. It, it would be an awful lot of years. It had to be... A lot of years. Had, maybe the, the 50s, maybe. I... Well, with the 50s in radio, yes. Maybe. I think probably the 50s in big cities mm -hmm. were probably still getting extras. But after that, we had radio, television, and mm -hmm. of course, starting in the late 80s, people were tapped into the internet and they were starting to get some information that way. Even though there wasn't a whole lot available, it was, it was still an information source for them. So, that's and a good question. And how big would those extras be anyway? Would they just be two, three pages? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they were as big as the story. Would there be an ad in them? Or would they just be no. strictly, they just basically just strictly print them off? Sometimes I wondered if they were printing the regular paper, but put a different cover on it. They put the extra on the cover so that uh, on an ongoing basis they would pull the papers all day long just as they normally would but the cover would change. Yeah, you should, you should hear the old but stop the presses so that you knew they had to stop the the, huh? the rolling press and, and set up the print the, the type I guess. Do the front page. Set up an entirely new front page. Mm -hmm. They would set the type for the front page. They would do the plates for the pictures. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'm glad I'm on this end of the business. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. You know, for, 
for two or three years now. I've had a a wild invention idea that uh, should have been thought of, and somebody probably did and never produced it or it never caught on. But uh, you know, I should have thought of it 50 years ago. Well, mine. I had my. I had my great idea when I was seven years old. I just wish somebody would have listened to me. I would have made a fortune. Okay, I want to hear yours. <clears throat> I couldn't understand why capsule put in a glass bottle. I was at, Why don't we put it in a plastic bottle? Put what in a plastic bottle? Capsule. Oh, ketchup, yeah. Yeah, for years, it was like, you know, 10 to 15 years later, they started putting in the plastic bottle. We're still getting vinegar in. So, somebody did listen to you. Yeah, somebody did. What? Yeah, they might have heard me so talking. what was your idea? Right. <laughs> well, my bright idea was that newspaper carriers, why didn't they have a newspaper throwing or launching machine hung on the side of their vehicle? that they would load all these papers in it on each side of the car and just have a button inside to launch these things as they rode down the street instead of having to throw it by hand. <laughs> they get busted for having a lethal weapon. I remember the little... It was smack Mrs. Jones and the... <laughs> I think the little rascals had something on a bicycle one of those shorts, a newspaper launcher. Really? I seem to remember I, that. I remember watching them a lot, but I don't remember Maybe that. I was just a fag, fragment of my imagination, but I seem to remember somebody t- coming up with a newspaper launcher right under... Yeah, I'm sure somebody, <laughs> whether they did it or not, but I just always thought that would be well, really be a great idea. That would have been... Around, around here, the, the, the only way to know exactly where your paper is every morning is to dig a small hole in the ground in your yard and fill it up with water. And it will be there every time. And I've always said that they could go by at 30 miles an hour. And if you had a glass of water sitting out there, they could put it in it every time. Who would deliver the paper when somebody called it? That my new paper boys threw, threw it in the... Through a way I can't find it. Would it be generally the office would run an extra copy down to the person? Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. what happens. Okay. They sure do. But, uh, I mean, when they throw it, boy, it could go anywhere. They sure do. Mm-hmm. If you call these uh, here before 10 o'clock in the morning, they will, they will make a special delivery. Now, I don't know if they make the newspaper carrier go back and I, re-deliver. I don't think so. But then those are kids going to school. Yeah, I don't think they do that either. Somebody at the, at the office does it, mm-hmm. but yeah, at least that's my assumption. I don't know that for a fact. People delivering from cars now, it really is a volume thing. There's no such thing anymore as um, as a little kid out on his bicycle. No. I don't, I there's not many bicycle routes anymore. I guess they still exist, but I doubt there's many of them. Well, it's all out of the back of a car now. Yeah, uh, I, I can remember uh, going with my friends and maybe uh, helping with the new paper, 70, 80, maybe 100 papers was a route. Uh-huh. And now I guess it's a common scale. If these, with people driving, they're probably looking at three, four, five hundred. 500, I guess. But it, it, it's just always fascinated me mm-hmm. if there's a, a, a smidgen of water anywhere, they're going to put it right in it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're trained to do that. You knew that. that, I mean, that yeah, that's, that, I'm sure it's one of the, the things they have to learn. Uh, it's like uh, Lowe's 
Well, it's like if it, it, it's kind of like the training at Lowe's. I mean, they have to be able to throw it in these puddles of water. But at Lowe's, I've always said the training there was that if they see you looking for help, they run and hide. The salesman. Now, really hard. <laughs> well, that's been my experience. Now, really you can see one of them look right at you, and they, and obviously you're looking for something. And if you start toward them. They're gone. <laughs> it's it's amazing. They can vanish like uh, smoke in the wind. I like that. <sighs> now, I admit, they're not all that way, but I swear you sure see enough of them. Like the post office. <laughs> Everybody has a bad one. Oh, yes. Well, I'm going to get off here. I'm killing a lot of time. But anyway... Well, Roy Rogers and Gene Autry will find their way to you. Very good. I'm <laughs> glad to hear that. You'll enjoy them. I've got a pretty good collection of the Gene Autrys and a, and a big one of Roy Rogers, so you should do okay. Yep. Your ears happy. That'd be very good, and I appreciate it. Okay, Arlen, you have a great day tomorrow, or today. Right. Or today. I'll take it to you, let's see. Yeah. 714 This is the Breakfast Club. This is true, and I've got all of this stuff. I'm going to have to save most of it for next week. Uh, if, However, yes, I've got some really interesting stuff. And next week, Patricia will be on late, everybody. So it's her mini, I, it's her mini vacation. No, it isn't. Aww. It's not my fault. Aww. Isn't? I know that. Whose fault is it? No, I give you a little time off. Whose fault is it? It's mine. <laughs> Next Patricia's never, ever done anything wrong in her life. I know that. Well, now that you had half the population of the country choking on their car. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, you're on the air. I got to say, I really enjoyed your interview tonight. Wasn't he good? He was yeah. good, Ron. Yeah, I agree. fascinating. He, um, I mean, yeah, it was quite interesting to hear about. Al Jolson and Groucho Marx and all these different people. Were you a fan of Al Jolson? Well, the way he sang was quite unique. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I didn't realize that he was insulted when George Burns or other people would mimic him. And, yeah. He had such an ego, and Carol Carroll, who was Bing Crosby's writer, who told a great story, and I know it's got to be true, that Jolson, when he hit it big, he always said, I got $6 million, you have any, and he, when he disagreed with a director, he threw a $1,000 bill at him. He said, you have the kind of money? You know what you're talking about? And Carol Carroll named the director, this one director got sick and tired of this routine, that when Al flashed the thousand dollar bill at him, he said he grabbed him and said, "Okay, let me give you change for that, Al." <laughs> that's good. I can break that into hundreds. Would you like? How would you like it? But, you know, that's that's a sign of a man who is really uncomfortable in his own skin. Mm -hmm. He just is so insecure that he's got to keep secure, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's I, are we glad me, you, and Walden we're we're so not insecure? We just. We just rant and rage and we just have a good time. Yeah. We have an ego who's a star is. That's true. We don't have a thousand dollar bill to wave around, so you're safe. Uh -huh. There you go. 
got some green stamps, maybe, or whatever. <laughs> I know. Patricia and I put a bank account together. We might not even come up with $1,000. I know. I don't have a lot of zeros. I know. No other numbers. I know. <laughs> so how are you? Did you um, did you have a performance tonight? Oh, today I did. I, I got to hear a lot of your show, and, and it was really, I'm, I'm glad that um, I didn't have any performance. I could hear that wonderful interview, and... Uh, Patricia, you're amazing. You can talk and read at the same time. I yeah, right. I, I can read, and then I trip over my words. <laughs> you're trying to figure out uh, who's next in the, in the book and, and still talking about the same <clears throat> people that he's talking about. It. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Myself one time. <laughs> I tripped over my words. So, how are you this week, sir? They're fine, and you know, I mean, I'm fine, and I, I did get, um, I did get, um, oh my gosh. I can tell you in one second, hold on. She, she got your uh, Dr. Christian, and, uh. Yeah, I she, got it. You got Fred Allen? No, 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 I didn't. Oh, that's in the envelope. You didn't get that yet. You got. Hey, no, no, I, I got for you. Oh, and it's yeah. Um, oh, what was it? John Brown? He acted in. Uh, help me out. Uh, Life of Riley, My Friend Irma. Oh, no, 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 no. A Date with Judy. Damon Runyon. Damon Runyon Theater. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. You know something? Yeah. Oh, wow. Be still my little heart. I love that show, and I've only got a couple. Oh, you have 52 of them. Oh, hooray. And that's all he made. And that's all he did, I mean. Yep. That's the whole run? That's the whole run. Wow. Thank you. He had to run. Yeah, he he, he, had to run. he, he did a 52-show run of Damien running there. And after that, there was no more. But there were such good shows. Why, why Walden, was it not picked up? Well, you know... Of course, Damon Runyon, I mean... Well, remember, Alan Layard had the production company. He made 52 of Box 13 and 52 Dangerous Assignment. And then he syndicated on that on the uh, MGM... MGM Studios started their own radio network. Uh-huh. Eventually ran the mutual, and that's who picked up the series. So maybe that's all they ordered with a 52 weeks run. Yeah. I don't know if the shows were based on Damon Runyon's writing or if Damon Runyon actually did the writing for think, all of the shows. I think it was generally based upon his story concepts okay. and had other writers do it. Okay. You know what was quite interesting? Box 13, a lot of people didn't like Box 13, but I thought Alan Ladd did a good job. <laughs> Oh yeah. In box um, yeah, I, I. You just like, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, and, you know, most, and I, I think, I think it was a fun show because it was Alan Ladd. You know who, you know the character. Mm-hmm. But evidently, it wasn't as popular as people, you know, yeah. were hoping that it could be or would be. Uh, but I thought, I yeah, I, 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 I thought Alan Ladd did a fabulous job. Um, uh, it was a gentle detective. Yeah, right. Which I, kind of ran counter to f- people like Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe. They yeah. were rough and tumble and in-your-face type detectives and down and dirty, hard-boiled. And Box 13 wasn't like that. 
It was strictly story concept. It was not a personality-driven show. What was his name? Dan Holiday. Dan Holiday. Dan yeah. Holiday. Um, and you know, he wasn't a detective. He no. was a writer, which is a more gentle, obviously, uh, profession. And he just kind of drifted into some of these things and really did. It, it was a much softer written show. The trivia question: Who was the guy that helped get his mail? Oh, <laughs> well, it was the girl who's still still at the newspaper. Yes. She was at the newspaper. Yep. It wasn't Mary. No. Oh. Effie, no. No. Oh, Effie was... Um, who was Effie Klinker now? Effie was with Sam Spade. That's right. Okay. I don't remember her name. I just know that she was at the newspaper, and he he kind of got it at the Q, on the QT because he wasn't with the newspaper anymore. That's right. Well, and... Uh, you know, John Dunning thought she was not the most brightest person in the world. Uh, her name was Susie. That's, of course. Yes. Of course. Susie. I mean, Susie, it's not a strong name. It, it just, it's a, it's a character name. You kind of get an image of what a Susie should look like or sound like. I guess right. I don't, I don't know any Susies. I know Sue's. Yeah. I don't know Susie. Susie is, yeah. It's a leftover from a little girl's name. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, it's amazing, too, that um, people like Sam Spade and Johnny Dollar and all these um, Richard Diamond mm-hmm. yeah. never, never um, got brain concussion. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> ever got hurt. You know, they There's so many times that you hear about these quarterbacks, you know, <laughs> I know, I know. They'd be lying on the floor unconscious for six hours and roll over and say, no, no, it's okay, I've got some place to be. <laughs> <laughs> and they just go, here I am. And they didn't say, well, I think you got to go check to make sure you didn't get a concussion, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the word never, never, no. And every week they would get hit on the head. I know, they couldn't get through the end of the show without getting clunked on the head and being knocked out. It was real. I mean, they should have been doped by the time of the... That's right, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I remember... Some, a little kid, we didn't even think about how come they can bounce out of it, you know, because it was yeah, yeah, because he's so, rugged, he's tough, he could do that. And we're older, we think now, that couldn't have been. If you got hit on the head that many times, yeah. we'd get a concussion, you know. You know, I know, and Johnny Dollar would get shot, and he'd say, no, no, I gotta, I'm okay, I'm okay, it's only bleeding a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but over the head, you're right, I think about that every once in a while. I was listening to... Um, a Pat Novak the other day. There you go. Yeah. For Pat Novak, and I, I pulled one out, and I was listening to it while I was uh, making the CD. And, of course, you know, he got whacked on the head. <laughs> he was down and unconscious. And, and I mean, is it Hellman was, was the detective yeah. in that particular series? Correct, Hellman. Uh-huh. It was Hellman, and that was Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr, yes. And, you know, Hellman would be standing over him and he'd say, Hey, hey, you in there? You in there? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's been out unconscious for 18 hours, and, he, and he's fine. And all. Hey, no, it was, uh, is he still here? No, he's not still here. Okay, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> and, and they're off and running, and here we go. Next week we'll get here and there again. But yes, it's a good thing they didn't drive. <laughs> and how many episodes did they have? <laughs> it was... Um, how many years was Pat Novak on, on radio? That's been very long. Maybe two. It was. Maybe. Uh, now, which which one came first, Pat Novak or Jeff Regan? I think Novak. I think, I think, well, 
I'm trying to think of the, the chronological order. I think it was Johnny Medell. Yes, that the, one was first. Then I think it was Jeff Regan, then Pat Novak. I and think, then it went to Dragnet. Um, then it Dragnet. I think that's the order. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm Pat Regan, and, or Jeff Re Regan or Reagan? Regan. 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 And Pat Novak are almost cookie cutters. They're yeah. similar storylines, similar attitude, uh, similar situations. And I, there's a story that goes, what happened with the one show that they weren't allowed to carry over so they started a, a second show? Well, basically, the show was based in San Francisco. Right. And when Jack Webb moved back to Hollywood, they had to create a new show because they left that series back up in San Francisco. Okay, so they left the series behind uh -huh. and had to create yeah. a new one. Yeah. But it was essentially, the, well, I say essentially the same show. It was so similar. So the writing, I think, was the same thing, but, uh -huh. you know, but they had a new person to take over uh -huh. the series up in San Francisco. Oh, but the word pictures were so great. Yeah. Yeah. I just loved the one where it, it was as easy as putting a smoker in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, you know, that's good. Mm -hmm. Now, quickly, Walden, tell me about the 71-year anniversary of the show of Fred Allen thing. Oh, okay. Tomorrow, tomorrow night will be combination Fred Allen.